welcome to the Nitty Gritty Reviews podcast. I'm Rachel, and today I have with me here three special guest co-hosts. I have my sister, Jessie. Hello. And I've got Em. Hello. And I've got Tristan. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about the 2018, kind of hard to place in a genre film, Annihilation. Uh, I am ridiculously excited to talk about this movie. I've been wanting to talk about it since I switched over to the to the podcast format. I know I already did a review of it on the uh, when I was in the YouTube format, but uh, that was just me by myself. So I'm excited to get some dialogue going, answer some questions maybe, or or ask some new ones. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on with this movie and and I'm really excited to uh, to talk about it. Uh, so before we delve into the grid, um, we usually talk a little bit about um, our experiences with this movie and, and uh, you know, if we had seen it before and all that good stuff. Um, so I guess I'll start uh, with, with you, Jesse. I know this was your, your first time seeing it. Um, so I don't know if there's any, any thoughts just right off the top of your head uh, without getting too into the nitty gritty. Well, I don't want to get into too much yet, but I'll say, you know, just for the background of it, like this was my first time watching the movie and... It wasn't really on my radar to watch this movie. I really only just kept hearing about it from you constantly. <laughs> so I finally gave in and watched it with you, and I'm glad I did. It was a really good movie, so I'm excited to talk about it. All right, sounds good. Um, then I guess we'll move uh, counterclockwise. Uh, that's super helpful for those listening. Uh, but we'll move over to you, Em. Oh, goodness. So <laughs> I watched it with you in the theaters. <laughs> Surprise. several yeah. months ago and it was a total mindfuck then yeah <laughs> still is now yeah less so but i'm still just like i don't know piecing the pieces of my mind back together yeah in a good way in a very good way <laughs> yeah all right and uh, then how about you tristan so my first time watching it was with you <laughs> yeah after hearing about it from you and we watched it in the movies and uh it was not what I expected. I liked it a lot more than I thought, and it's, uh, it's a unique movie. It is. Uh, as, as I'm sure the listeners have gathered, I, I saw this movie a few times in theaters and, and wouldn't stop talking about it. I saw it first by myself, uh, specifically for the YouTube channel. I was like, it's Natalie Portman doing a sci-fi movie. Um, so that was a, a no-brainer, but then it just blew my mind, and I was like, I, like even before I, I did the, the review, I was like, I have to watch it a second time just to really really figure this movie out um so then i had you go with me and i was like i still got she's to see pointing it again. at me oh yeah sorry way. that was tristan <laughs> but yeah so i asked you tristan to go with me and then i still couldn't stop thinking about it so then i had had you em go with me and then it's like I, if i wasn't seeing a movie every week at the time i'm seeing a new movie every week I, I probably would have seen this movie five or six or seven times in theaters um but unfortunately or maybe fortunately <laughs> i uh, was on a schedule and, and didn't have the time but i i just I'm excited to talk about this movie. I could talk about it for forever. I won't, but uh, you know, it's just it's just one of those movies you, you can't stop talking about. So on that note, um, should we delve delve into the grid, or is there anything else anyone wanted to to throw out there before we really get started? I think the grid is going to carry us through a lot, so let's just like get yeah. right in there. All right. Just a quick aside: Is this the first review since your new uh, audio setup? It is. Uh, so I have a new a new setup. We're we're crammed into my uh, giant walk-in closet right now. I'm I'm pretty positive the audio quality is going to be pretty awesome. So I'm hoping there's a, a marked improvement, and uh, and hopefully this is a, a worthy episode for the new setup. But yeah, all right. So on that note, let's uh, let's get into the nitty gritty of this movie. I can't wait. <laughs> so the first category 
I'm going to be writing plot and genre. This, this category, I, I'm not going to say anything off the top because I could easily just, yeah, I, I want to know what everyone else thinks before I, I just spew my opinions and thoughts. Um, so I kind of want to just start, if everyone's okay with this, with just, just some, some general questions. Feel free to take them wherever you want. This isn't like a rigid structure. So if you think of something else or, or you don't have an answer and you want to hear what everyone else says, you know, whatever. Um, this is just to get the conversation going and, and keep me from rambling the whole time like I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, so the first thing, this might be a weird place to start, but I feel like it's the most talked about point of the movie. And in my opinion, one of the least important. Um, so I want to get it out, uh, you know, out of the way right off the bat. Is it Lena at the end or her double? I have a hard time answering that question because I agree with you that it's not important. I see, I can see the, the symbolism in the fact that she's not sure. Um, well, I'm, I don't have a literal yes or no answer to that question. <laughs> if you just want yeah. the literal, I'm, I don't know. Yes or no. Okay. I, when, when we realized at the end that she wasn't sure if she was or not, I thought that that related directly back to the quote of one of the other women in the movie who said that it was like there were two bereavements, one of the person that actually died and one of the person who survived, but she's never going to be the same person that she was yeah. ever again. So then you've got the main character coming out at the end of the story and she's like, I don't know if I'm the same person anymore. Yeah. So how that literally translates, I don't know, but like, I felt like that was kind of an interesting message there. Yeah. Yeah, even if it was like the same physical Lena. Yeah. Like when they're in the house with the bear and she's looking at her blood, she can see the shimmer in it or whatever the thing is that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the colorful cells. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's at least with in like the actual or the the first Lena? The the non second okay. Lena? <laughs> The one I who mean, went into the yes. shimmer. The original the quote. Definite quote. original Lena. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so like even if it was her that came out, then there's still that going on with in her. Yeah. And it's absolutely. just not one hundred percent or not one hundred percent yet, if that makes any sense. Yeah. That all makes sense. I agree with what with what everybody's saying. And I think I think it is the quote unquote original Lena that comes out. Um, personally, that that's how I read it. Um but like I said, I, I don't think it's important because she has changed. Like she's, she's not, but like, I think she's literally the same person, but mentally, and I guess even she's even changed literal, enough that she doesn't recognize herself anymore. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there is a literal change and a metaphorical change. Cause like you and said there, you know, there's something in her, in her blood that is different. There is a something marked that has changed within her. Um, but whether or not she's, the same physical person or if this is a double I just don't even think it matters I feel like this is a a very talked about point and a very um debated point and I just don't think it matters because even if it is a double it would be an exact double with her memories or at least that's what we're led to believe within within the narrative um and so what difference does it make if it's an exact double that's not that's not what matters what matters is the change that happened within the shimmer um, and like like what you were saying, Jesse, with the uh, the, the bereavement and how you're you lost yourself, but now you're someone else. 
So then that kind of leads into into another question that I hear a lot of people talk about. Is is Lena a a reliable narrator? Because a lot of people who who go with the 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 side of the story that like this is her double, this is somebody, you know, this is an alien with an agenda, I think is what a lot of people take out of the movie that she's now gonna like infect the world with this shimmer. Um and and so in that regard, like the whole narrative that she's telling is told with this agenda in mind and therefore she's not reliable and who knows what really happened in the shimmer, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what do you guys think about um is she a reliable narrator? Is what we see, is that what happened in the shimmer or is there something else? Is she does she have an agenda? This is getting to be a lot of questions piled up into one. So I guess I'll end there. Sorry. I don't know. That's I mean, I guess you could say that. It's sort of like uh, when people say, oh, it was all a dream or they died and they're in purgatory or, you know, they hit their head and this is all a coma hallucination or something. Like, I guess you could do that. But why? Why do that? Like, right? see what the movie tells you. You don't have to come up with something like that. I don't see any real evidence of that. I didn't see a reason to think that she wasn't a reliable narrator, but I feel like that also might be because some of the, like, alien stuff I think went over my head (laughs) yeah (laughs) I don't know I feel like I still need to put some of those pieces together but I didn't see you know when she I guess when we're thinking about her as a narrator that probably is mostly the scenes where like she's being questioned and she's like telling a lot of the story that way I didn't really see any particular reason not to trust what she was saying but I also tend to just trust people so maybe that's just me (laughs) yeah there didn't seem to be any i don't know the alien didn't seem to be wasn't malevolent it was just existing like they were saying yeah and so i don't think whichever lena it was that was narrating even if it was the alien there wasn't any reason nothing for the alien to hide it was just existing so I think either way yeah. you'd get the same story. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think as an important distinction, and this I might be the only person who thinks this because I've listened to, I've kind of binge listened to a lot of other podcasts lately who have been talking about this movie and I watched some some YouTube videos. And um, people tend to use that language of like, oh, is she the alien or is she not? And I think even if she's a double, I think she's just a double. Like she's just a, a genetic copy of lena and that lena is like we we're saying with you know that the shimmer is in her blood like whatever whatever is happening to the environment is affecting her too so in that regard she's infected or whatever but that would be true of original lena or double lena so i don't know where this um this this narrative seems to be taking place of like like oh well, she's gonna go infect the world now um because i don't think like you said she's not malevolent or not she the 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 alien force or whatever like it's it's like a cancer it's not thinking well, I, I think that alien and and the shimmer and all of it is kind of so like the movie is addressing a lot of like tragedy and trauma and things that people go through in their lives and have to make it out on the other side and the shimmer is kind of existing as this like you know in a science fiction story it's like 
taking a natural form and it's like kind of this force of nature and and Lena says in the movie she's like I don't even know if it knew I was there or not and it kind of relates Mm -hmm. to like just like you're just this one organism in this gigantic universe and it's like the universe doesn't care if you're here or not it doesn't hate you it's not like trying to like get it out for you but it's just it's like life goes on you know what I mean so I don't really I'm I don't really connect to a reading of this story where they're where they're trying to figure out the alien's motives or try to say that it has some sort of ill intent or like it's taking over the world I, I think it's I think the story is using the alien differently than that if that, that makes, makes sense. sense yeah absolutely yeah that's I think that's going to come up a lot um mm-hmm. that's one of the things I really like is that the alien is truly alien yeah it's not like in most uh shows aliens are just people who are a little extra greedy or a little extra aggressive or whatever but this is like truly alien no like social structure or like right. war or, and yeah none of that is present at all so here's another another question for you so i think one of the things that i that i hear a lot of people ask and that i don't know that i have an answer to is why um just why yeah yeah just, <laughs> just why um no why the whether it's the alien or the quote-unquote original lena or however you want to you know what whoever you think it is that gets blown up at the end why she goes into the lighthouse and essentially like destroys the the source of the shimmer um like why why <laughs> I actually have a lot of questions about that, too, (laughs) because, well, I was kind of um, sorting out in my head, like, what some of the metaphors and symbols are in this movie, and, like, I kind of figured out sort of, you know, more or less as much as I could figure out in the first viewing, but I kind of get the idea of the shimmer being this, like source of change, like a trauma that changes you, Yeah, and, um, and, you know, like, all the mutations and things and kind of like I I kind of got the way those pieces were connecting but the lighthouse seemed like it was really like seated in this movie as like a really specific symbol and I'm not really sure that I came away knowing what it meant and so when we're talking about like why she went to the lighthouse and stuff I'd love to hear some theories on like like what like what was I mean in the lighthouse was where it first showed up yeah, like, I mean, I do think there's something there. And again, part of why I'm asking so many questions is because some of these questions I have very fully formed answers for, and some, like this one, not so much. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's definitely something there as to, like, facing yourself after trauma and kind of being like, okay, there's the person I was, here's the person I am, like, where, you know, how am I going to approach this? And I think seeing the way that, like, we see how, Kane handled it and we see how Lena handled oh, it. Oh, whoever goes there and sees themselves. Is that consistent for every character that goes there? Maybe. Well, I guess we, yeah, yeah, maybe. Two of them, and then the yeah. third one just kind of. Well, but when we see Ventress in the lighthouse, like she's got her eyes are like covered over, and then she turns around and it's gone. Very similar to when when Lena sees her double uh, so it kind okay. of implies so it's a place that, where they go but then see but the then light the... of the lighthouse and they like have to <laughs> see themselves and face themselves okay I mean I think within the context of the movie 
like if, if you take the metaphor out of it, I think it's more just you know she she mentions at one point like oh they're like cells cells change they mutate they duplicate and they're like oh duplication and she's like yeah like like echoes um so I think that there's just this theme of of duplication throughout the movie independent of the symbolism but then I think as far as the symbolism uh at least within the characters of Kane and Lena I think it's you know you have I mean they have a shared trauma of this crumbling of their marriage and how are they going to face it and you know he faces it by going into the shimmer and, and facing change I guess if I'm going with the metaphor of, and I guess with your metaphor of like the the shimmer is representative of change he goes there he se- he seeks it out do you think that maybe it could have been when she destroyed the the lighthouse and the the alien in the lighthouse do you think that that was her rejecting or like destroying her former self and like I think that's part of it yeah because there were a lot of themes of self-destruction in this Absolutely. movie too yeah but like maybe like the the destruction of her old self and like now she's going out on the other side being whoever she is now maybe that was oh <laughs> maybe she killed the original one and so she was the alien at the end, but she that's a symbol of her rejecting her old self and coming out as her new self. Could be. Does that just blow your mind? <laughs> I, still, I don't know. I still think it was the original Lena. I don't know, though. Now I'm thinking about this. I mean, I, to be clear, I am. I'd have I to watch it again. That's how this movie is. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's also, I don't think plot holes the right phrase, but like intentional... Like, we don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Like, they lost several days. It could be that from that point on, they're all duplicates. Yeah, I thought of and that, And they're just too. kind of falling apart, which is why they're, they look yeah. less and less human. Yeah, if she... So, you never know. If she, is, if she is a duplicate, if it is a duplicate that comes out, I would posit that the duplication happened during those lost days. And then if, like, a third Lena that we see in the lighthouse or something, I don't know. Yeah. But if she is not the original I think Lena, it leaves those possibilities open, though, because, like you said in the very beginning, it doesn't matter. You're supposed to come out the, in the end with the ambiguity of, right. am I the same person anymore? I guess not really. And I can't yeah. really identify where that change exactly took place. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about with this movie, and this isn't necessarily a question so much as a conversation starter, I guess. But I think with this movie, it's definitely, there is a very clear divide between like the plot of the movie and the meaning of the movie. Yeah. Um, which gets into a lot of what you were saying, Jesse, of like the, you know, the metaphors. And Where the, the plot doesn't matter so much because the the message that it's trying to exactly. convey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there is you know, for all of the symbolism and all the weirdness, I think there is a very clear flaw. Like, I don't think it's that, I mean, it leaves some things unanswered, but it's fairly easy to follow. Last act gets a little weird, but... It does. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think that that's, that's just something to note within this movie that, you know, the meaning or the, you know, the symbolism and all of that. And, you know, we've mentioned already, uh, you know, things like the self-destruction and trauma um, the way people change, the the two bereavements, you know, bereaving, you know, the person who died or or is lost in whatever way, and then the person that you used to be. Um, so there's just a lot of um, I don't know a lot of a lot of things to talk about in that regard. Um, and one of the quotes that I pulled out uh, is very early on in the movie where Lena's giving a lecture on um, biology, and she talks about the rhythm of the dividing pair, um, which I think is is 
important in this movie, but I'm not, even after seeing it four times, I'm like, so what is the importance of all this division? Like, I know it's, it's important. There's, there's constant themes of, of division and, and repetition and things like that. So I don't really quite know what my question is. Like I said, I guess this is more of a conversation starter, but um, that was something that I thought was interesting, but I guess I want to know what you guys think. About the themes of division in the movie? Yeah, or just the, I guess just the quote of the the rhythm of the dividing pair and, and what that, I mean, because there's definitely, I mean, the whole movie is about a pair that divides, it's about Lena and Kane and their separation and reunion and that rhythm, I guess. I think that quote is more about the division of yourself, though, into a new self. It's just weird to think of it as a division, though, because, like, in the sense of this the cells like you wind up with two and I feel like what we've been talking about so far is like one changing into something new yeah not so much a split where you have two different ones but then you kind of saw a split into two different ones in the lighthouse right but then she still destroyed and one of I them guess, got destroyed yeah. so it's still two goes back to being one yeah I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> You guys have been awfully quiet. <laughs> well, I thought if I sit still enough, no one would see me. <laughs> um, well, yeah, like you pointed out that the plot and the meaning are almost totally separate and um, had like a dreamlike quality to me. Absolutely. And um, yeah, there's a lot of ways you can interpret it. And um, geez, I'm never mind. Never mind. Well, you had mentioned. I'm not going to be able to cut it out because now I'm going to talk about something you had said. Uh, but you mentioned how it felt like a like a dream. And I think that's a, a really key point with this movie because it's, um, I don't know how we got this far and I didn't talk about this yet because I think it's really interesting. But um, so it's, I actually didn't even know that I'm talking about it. I didn't even introduce this movie. It's written and directed by <laughs> Jeff Garland. <laughs> um, but uh, but he, you know, he read the book. This is based on on a book. And, um, you know, he read the book, really liked it, got the rights to it. And then he approached the author and he was like, I, I really liked this book. I like the way it made me feel. and I liked the themes. And so I want to adapt it, but I don't want to do it literally. I don't want to reread the book. I don't want to adapt it beat by beat. I want to take this feeling that I have and reinterpret it almost like a dream, like, like, you know, a dream version of the book. And the author was like, yeah, that's great. Do it. So that's what he did. Um, and it's actually, there's a whole trilogy of books. And this is pretty much just based on the first book. Although I, I read the whole trilogy in preparation for this review. And I'm still like, was it based on the first book or all three? Like, it's so, such a loose adaptation. It's hard to tell. But I'm pretty sure it's just the first one. Um, but yeah, so I think that dreamlike quality is, is very intentional and, and very effective. Because it could easily yeah. just feel weird for the sake of being weird. But there's so much symbolism and purpose to everything we see and it does get that that feeling across of like oh this feels like a trauma or like a loss and you you know that self-destructive nature like you see all of these themes and and the you know it's almost like a visceral reaction of like oh okay I know what this movie is about because I can feel it I think it's interesting that the author of the original book agreed to that I do too (laughs) yeah I mean I suppose he didn't even have to I suppose he could have just said no and they could have done it anyway but yeah he was like that sounds awesome it sounds in line with what uh with what I had in mind with the book and and go for it and I thought I had read at one point that the author of the book he's a 
Vandermeer is his last name. It's not Jeff Garland, but Alex Garland. And then it's Jeff Vandermeer is the book. I'm glad I looked it up. Um, <laughs> so, whoopsie. Yeah, this movie is written and directed by Alex Garland, uh, based on the book by Jeff Vandermeer. And I thought I had read at one point that they were friends, and that's how he got the rights to the book so quickly and why he agreed to this whole plan. But then I haven't been able to find that anywhere else. So I don't know if I just made that up or if, that I, if that's actually true. But so you yeah. have to be really trusting in the director's vision and yeah. skill to yeah. just be like, yeah, you can just do whatever you want right. with the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I do want to ask, um, I think this is considering the, the name of this section is plot and genre. Um, I do want to ask, what genre do you think this movie is? So I guess for me, I kind of classified it as like sci-fi, fantasy, suspense. Okay. Because it wasn't so much like an action movie or a horror movie. It was not yeah. a comedy. Yeah, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> I like dark humor. <laughs> but I didn't find any there. <laughs> and I don't know, it just felt kind of like Alien, the, the movie franchise Alien. Yeah. Makes sense. How about you, Tristan? What genre would you put this in? Uh, sci-fi mindfuck. <laughs> Fair enough. How about you, Jess? I just put it pretty squarely in sci-fi, just because I tend to really just not like fantasy, and this didn't go so fantasy yeah. that I didn't that, that it turned me off. Like I was, I was fine with like the level of fantasy that it went to. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like hard sci-fi where it was too scientific, but it wasn't quite fantasy either. So I'm just gonna say sci-fi. All right. So I kind of think it's like sci-fi horror with a little bit of fantasy. Um, and I actually did a the book is considered slipstream, which what I, is that? Yeah, it's it's basically sci-fi fantasy, and that's it. Like it's basically like combined those two genres but then there's also weird fiction is what it's called and that's basically slipstream but with elements of horror which I feel like that's what this would be but when it comes and I've heard people try to argue like oh it's so funny hearing people try to classify this movie as a genre because it's clearly slipstream or it's clearly weird fiction is it clearly yeah, <laughs> I mean, when you, when you hear the definitions, it's like, oh yeah, I could see how it could fit in with that. What are some other examples of slipstream? That's the thing. His <laughs> <laughs> other two books. <laughs> well, I mean, this this author Jeff Vandermeer, like he's very influential, and it's only it's a fairly new genre. It's like the '90s. It, the term was coined, um, but it's it's I mean, it's a literary genre. Like if you're asking what other movies there are, there aren't really any. So I would argue that. Like, like, until there's a lot more examples, I don't think you can call it a genre of film. I think you need, just, just like the first Superman movie, you couldn't really call it a superhero movie because it was the only one. It was a fantasy movie that was a comic book adaptation. And now in retrospect, you can say, oh yeah, it was the first superhero movie. But at the time, it was fantasy or sci-fi maybe. Um, so I kind of feel like, you know, maybe in 20 years we'll be able to say like, oh yeah, this was an early slipstream movie or an early weird fiction, but I don't think it's it's developed past the literary genre into film enough to call it that. That's too specific. But I just, I thought that was worth talking about because the book is is considered slipstream and the author, like everything he's written is considered slipstream. But yeah, so I thought that was, and I guess with, with slipstream also like the 
the main point is to like elicit a feeling of like, oh, this feels strange. Like it's meant to leave you with that feeling of like, so it's more about eliciting like a reaction as opposed to like the story, like the, the emotions are more central to the story or than the story. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. Um, which is definitely, I feel like that, that could be said of this movie that it's like, like I was saying, there is yeah. a, a visceral kind of feeling of like, oh, I know what this story is, even if the plot isn't about that. Um, yeah, it reminds me of um, like if you wake up with a strong feeling because of something that happened in your dream, but you're, like you're feeling that as you're forgetting the dream and you're just yeah. left with like the after effect, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. So you don't really remember the plot. That's slipstream in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, I have a, a bunch more notes here, but I mean, this will go on for like two more hours just with writing. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll kind of wrap it up with that. Um, but we haven't even really talked much about the, the grid itself. Is there anything, any any strengths that anyone wants to point out or any weaknesses, anything that, that really stands out as far as the, the grid categories? A weakness that I was able to locate. <laughs> um, so if Kane is a clone alien being and isn't like human material, how is his, how was he having like multiple organ failure and coughing up blood? Like, does that just manifest in the alien being by taking a human form? I mean, I suppose it could be you know, taking it out of its environment you know, if it's not in the Shimmer anymore. But that doesn't really answer the question of why when the Shimmer disappears, does he... Like, I have a lot of questions. And I also... I'm not even 100% sure that I would classify him as the clone. I think it's equally as likely that the Kane who blew himself up was the double. It's equally likely. Like, I'm like 50-50 on that. I could I could see either way. Because I don't know that it's definitively shown. But but I don't know how I, I don't know how to answer the the organ failure or you know why he's suddenly fine once the shimmer's gone. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's you're you're much better, Jesse, at, at symbolism than I am. Is there anything anything that you can think of? Because I'm sure it's it's mostly symbolic more than anything. But I don't know. I I just kind of thought that. Well, I didn't think he was, like, fully alien. I just kind of thought he was, like, a shimmer mashup of things, you know? And so, like, stuff just wasn't working. Just, like, when you cut the one guy open and it's, like, what's in there? But the rest of him looks fine. So I just figured, like, something weird was happening in there. But, gosh, I don't know. All right. (laughs) I'm happy with those answers. Yeah, I guess that's good (laughs) enough. Yeah. (laughs) One thing that wasn't my favorite was using um, the flash. Well, I guess it's flash forwards. Like the the framing devices? Yeah. Okay. That was actually one of the questions I didn't get to. So I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) Just just if you thought it was effective or not. Flashing to when she was being questioned. Yeah. Well, I thought it was effective in the same way that like having a voiceover like narrating somebody's thoughts is effective like it told you things that you didn't know otherwise but I kind of just felt like it would have been better if that just came out in the story somewhere instead of her sitting in a chair and telling us okay I get it I disagree but I get it okay (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually not a big fan of jumping back and forth all the time and this seemed to jump between 
or jump among her in the shimmer versus her afterwards debriefing everyone mm -hmm. and then jumping back and to before it. Before, yeah. And then like all over the place. Um, Almost like it was refracted. Yeah, that's where I was actually <laughs> oh, going. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah, it was like I can a, edit it out. You can start over. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's what I was gonna say. It was like all jumbled up, like it was refracted or like it was a dream. So I'm not usually a fan of that, but it seemed okay. It was a little jarring sometimes, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I liked seeing her there in the beginning, and like like some of it. In particular, like the very first scene, like I thought that was good, but sometimes they would jump to her head and then she was like, they're like, oh, uh, you didn't know that so-and-so had cancer. And she's like, well, I guess. And it's like that, like that conversation is like the only piece of the movie where we got that. Yeah. I felt like that could have been weaved into the story somewhere. And so we're just like being in that dialogue, you know? Yeah. That's fair. There was something else too, and I can't remember now. She said something about, oh, it was like her motives were keeping going. They're like, oh, so you lied to them. Well, like, I, I feel like they could have shown that she lied and wanted to keep going, like in the story, instead of her sitting in a chair and being like, yep, I lied to them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, what was everybody's final scores? I'm really, I'm really eager to hear. Mine was an 8.8, .8, which mostly came down because of the device that I described not being my favorite. That's fair. I also gave it an 8.8. All right. 9.5. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mike came out to a 9.8. Wow. Um, very close to perfect. The only things that brought it down for me, plot structure, I gave a 9.5, and world building exposition, I gave a 9.5. Uh, everything else is 10s. With plot structure, there were just a few things like... I feel like they probably shouldn't have been able to play digital video in the Shimmer if everything's being refracted. Shouldn't all that digital information just well be refracted? They still record it. Everything still works. You just can't communicate outside. But everything's everything's refracted inside too. I don't know. Just little things like that. There were a few little things here and there that I just feel could have been a little a little tighter maybe. Um, and then world building exposition, I just, I guess it's pretty much the same thing. Like, I feel like, I don't know if things could have been handled a little differently, but I mean, still at 9.8 overall for the category, it's not like anything was detrimental to the movie overall. A really, really strong script. All right. So then that's going to bring us to the next category, which I am really, really curious to hear what, what people have to say about this one. And that's going to be writing characters. So one of the things I think that the, the one of the biggest things we need to talk about first is, is the character of Lena likable? And if she's not, is that okay? Because because uh, one of the biggest reasons that this movie didn't get as big of a release as it should have and didn't get, uh, you know, there, there's just a lot of drama behind the scenes within the production because, you know, there was one studio exec who was completely behind Alex Garland and was like, you know, because he didn't have final, he did not have a final cut on his film. But this one producer was like, well, I'm basically just giving him final cut. I trust him. But then there was this other producer that was like, no, you got to change everything because audiences don't like it. And Lena's not likable. And he had all these problems with it. And this was a really bad retelling. There was a lot of drama <laughs> that basically came down to um, this one studio exact being worried that Lena wasn't likable and audiences wouldn't like her and that uh, the movie wouldn't be relatable because of her character. So I, I just want to hear, I guess, what what everyone thought about her character and if there's any merit to that complaint 
um, or if Alex Garland is right and this is the way it should be. I would say she's very relatable. And by being relatable, she's likable in that way. And I don't know if any <laughs> no, character is supposed to be like super likable or nice, except maybe Shepard or like Josie. So yeah. I'm going to say yes, because they're relatable. She's relatable and likable. I'm curious as to what problems were coming up with audiences that they didn't like about her. I don't know specifically. All I know is that test audiences said they didn't like her. The only thing I can think of is that like she did lie at that one point and like get pe- try to get people to keep going when they wanted to go back, right? Or am I remembering that wrong? Because I don't know she, if I have the plot to make She sort of lied, but she explained it as like, like I, I didn't understand what the difference between going back or going forward would be. And it, made, it seems to make the most sense to go forward so I convinced them to do that. I wouldn't really, I wouldn't say she lied. I wouldn't say she convinced them either. She just lied. Well, because well, she no, told she them, lie, though. she told them that they were going to go to the coast and that would be the easiest way to get out. And that was a lie, right? Yeah, I, that I was not she, her intention. Yeah, that was her intention. I don't think so. I think that's what they established in that little cut scene. They're like, you lied to them. She's like, yeah. She didn't admit that she lied. She said she wasn't sure. Or something like that. Like, because she said, oh, this will be the safest way out. And then she's like, well, I didn't know, but I didn't see the difference between going yeah. back or going forward. I don't know that it was a lie necessarily. It was just that she was unsure herself, but picked something she wanted to do and convinced them to do it. Well, in any case, well, I, <laughs> I didn't have a problem finding her likable. I just could see that maybe making some people dislike her. But on the whole, with the story, like, like you said, she's relatable. Like, I mean, what would you do in that situation? Like, you were just want to, yeah. I don't even know what you would want to do. I don't know. Like, you just have yeah. to figure something out, right? Because it's like sure, yeah. situation. So, right. but I liked her. I did too. And I think uh, going back to what Adam said, like she was just she was very relatable and very. I mean, I mean, yeah, she did some things that were pretty self destructive. Like her her marriage wasn't great, but she. I mean, they established it. Like she's not happy with what's happening. She. Basically, she's like, you know, the one guy that she's having the affair with is like, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't me. You hate yourself or something like that. And she's like, no, I hate you, too, or something like that. So <laughs> like, it's like, you're half right. Like, yes, I do yeah. hate myself, but I also hate you. <laughs> so, like, I mean, she's very self-destructive and she's doing this thing that is destroying her marriage or will destroy it or however you want to look at it. But, like, she's very aware of it and knows that, like, she's not the hero of the story, you know, and that's what makes her relatable and ultimately likable I think is that she's aware of her flaws and is going to do what she can to overcome them which is why she goes into the shimmer she's like well I owed him something because I did this wrong against him so now I'm gonna try and make things right yeah I'm not sure if we know enough about any one character like especially even Lena to make that call that oh she's unlikable we don't know enough about her that's Mm -hmm. fair yeah There was one character that I had a hard time liking, and it was the... What's his name again? The Kane. husband. Kane. Yeah. And I don't know why. There was just something about him that seemed kind of, like, smarmy. I don't know. The southern accent. It was the southern accent <laughs> that, did, that seemed to, like... Like, I didn't even notice he had it until, like... And it's probably just because he didn't talk that much, but it suddenly showed up after I'd seen him several times already, and it's, like... Like he was talking weird, and then he had like his hair was doing something. Like, I don't yeah. know, he just wasn't my favorite to see on the screen. Like, <laughs> I just was like, mm, I don't know about this guy. 
totally sounds unfair like, judgments, but just yeah. like, you know, whatever. So it sounds like sounds like more of a casting issue than a writing issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, doctor, I forgot her name. Ventress. Ventress, yeah. I'm still not really sure what to think of her. She just seemed kind of, she had a weird personality. Yeah. I kind of was thinking about her a lot a little bit later on, like, for line deliveries, because she was so deadpan with, like, everything. And I'm like, I don't know if this is just, like... She, she made some interesting choices as an actor, I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. Which we'll get more into. We'll get to it when it gets to it. Yeah. So what do you think, if if there is any, maybe there's not, but what do you all think is the, the significance of having all women going into the Shimmer, if there is any? Well, I think there must be because they've made a point of saying, oh, all women, huh? But, yeah. I mean, I just liked it because it made it, a female-led movie, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. You don't see that in this type of movie very often. Yeah, absolutely. As far as the significance to the narrative, though, I can't really say that I'm sure. I feel like there yeah. probably is one, but I don't know what it is. See, and that's kind of my general feeling as well. Although after uh, Tristan and I watched the, the special features on the DVD a couple days ago, and they had interviews with the author, and he was pretty much like, well, none of the characters have names in the book, so I just sort of wrote them without a gender in mind. And then it just kind of felt like they were all women. So they're all women. So I'm like, maybe. But then there's so much difference between the book and the movie that just because there's no significance in the book doesn't mean there's not in the movie. I don't know. Like, I get stuck in a loop of, like, am I trying to find significance in everything? And then because, like you said, Jesse, like, it's so unusual that it's like, well, there must be a reason, which how sad. Like, if there was a movie that's all men, it's all like, what is the reason I behind know, this? I know. But they specifically but, point out, it's not even like it just happens to be the cast. Like, they specifically there is a scene, are yeah. like, you know, about to leave, and they're like, who's going? All women, huh? Like, I mean, that's yeah. a word for what they said. <laughs> basically. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's literally, I think it's uh, Nina. She's like, like, all the questions, she's like, like, oh, all oh, women? women? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. something like that. But so, then they, like, I feel like they brush it off as, like, well, we're all scientists, like, as if most women are scientists, which kind of confused me because I feel like that's not really true. Well, either. I think they were pointing out, oh, and also all scientists, as opposed to the previous one, which was all, all military. men and all military. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Is this like the, like a brain versus brawn, like masculine versus feminine sort of thing? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Because we don't typically think of scientists as being women, so... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they were getting at there. Yeah. And I do know in the book, they do talk a little bit about it as being, like... Like, like it's very, like, experimental in that with, like, oh, well, we did all men, so now let's do all women and see if there's any different... Like, it's very much, like, controlling the variables... So I guess he gave it more thought after just being like, oh, I guess they're all women. I guess he came up with a reason for it after all now that I'm remembering. Um, but I don't even remember if that was mentioned in the first book or if it was later. Like, they, I read them all together and then they all blurred together and didn't answer any questions <laughs> and just left me kind of confused. I'm just happy with the reasoning of it's an amazing movie with an all-female main cast. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm like, I don't... Need to ask more questions yeah, than that. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, they, there were those awkward lines, but I'm like, eh. Yeah. 
I almost feel like those lines were just like the like the studio just being like, well, we have to say something about the fact that it's all women. This can't yeah. be normal. Like I can see that. Yeah. At least as far as my my questions go, that was the bulk of it. Um, there's so much going on with this movie, though, as far as as the characters go, like they each. Um, this is another category. I, I very strong <laughs> scores down the line. Um, but I think one of the most interesting categories is the the inner needs category because this I mean that's what drives this movie is that you know and there's even the line where um uh, Lena asks Dr. Ventress like she's like oh well why are you going in and she gives like the mission statement of like oh we're gonna go to the lighthouse and try and find the source that's the mission statement and then her response is like but I don't think that's your mission statement and that pretty much sums up the whole movie is like yeah they have this all they all have this shared outer goal but their their internal mission statements are all very unique. Like they're all trying to get over their own unique traumas and trying to become different people and and go through some sort of change. Um, I just think it's very very beautifully done throughout the whole movie. Um, I just can't get enough of the of the symbols, especially character driven stories in general, and then to have all the symbolism thrown in there. Um, I just think it's phenomenal. That's probably easily my favorite part of this movie is just the the way each of the characters work on narrative levels and symbolic levels and probably other levels beyond that. There's <laughs> just lots of levels going on and uh, very interesting. Yeah, and they aren't just there, whatever they're working on. Like, Anya is in recovery, but her whole personality isn't just, like, itching in the corner, like, doing having cold sweats. Mm-hmm. It's exactly, yeah. Her just doing each day one at a time. Anya's mention is, like, gay, and that's not... There's, like, a line, and then, like, there's no weird follow-up. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I just really appreciate that way that they construct those characters. Absolutely, yeah. One of the things I will say that got... It still got an 8.5, but it's the lowest of anything that I gave in the writing categories. And that was for dialogue. And I think it's for... I mean, like, Jesse, like you were saying, the, like, oh, all women, <laughs> like, things like that. Like, there's just, I mean, the deliveries are better than that, but the lines themselves, there's just a few things here and there. I'm like, that didn't feel quite natural. I still gave it a high score. I didn't, uh, and there were times, like, when um, when Lena and Kane are talking and she's, like, you know, spewing the, the science of cells and things like that. It's kind of like, yeah, I guess that doesn't quite feel natural. And yet it does for the movie. Like it, I don't know, it seemed to work. I, I believed that these characters would have that conversation. Um, so overall, it didn't bother me, but there were enough little lines here and there. And I think I think a lot of it comes back to to Dr. Ventress as well. Like I, I really flip back and forth every time I see this. This is the fourth time I've seen this movie now. And I feel like the first time I saw it, I really liked her. Then I was like, ooh, I don't know about her. Then I was like, no, 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 I was right the first time. And then now I'm like, I don't know. I just, I'm sure a lot of it's the line delivery, which we'll get to. But like, I think some of it was just the, the lines too. I don't know. She's the, the hardest part of this movie to understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so dialogue for me was, was easily the weakest point, um, but still strong overall. Uh, should we give our final scores then? Sure. Uh, for characters, I gave us 7.0. Solidly Ooh, exceeds expectations. It's kind of low. Okay. Anything in particular that brought that score down? Or did you just give everything sevens? Character arcs gave that a five. Really? 
I can only think of... Maybe we should talk about this, too, because I was kind yeah. of wondering about character arcs also. Okay. Like, do the characters develop? A few of them do. Yeah. Like, the uh, physicist, the one who cuts herself, or at least mm-hmm. used to, mm-hmm. I think she has a pretty good arc. She figures everything out. She comes to terms with it. She's like, oh, this is great. I like this. I'm going to do this. That seems like a character arc. And then Lena has a character arc. Kane has a term. character arc. Does he? What is Lena's character arc? I think she has to learn to to accept what she did and learn that, like, learn isn't quite the right word, but accept that she's a changed person. And then kind of what she her did being her affair. The affair, yeah. And her guilt over... Yeah, she blames Kane going into the shimmer on the affair, so that's kind of associated okay. with it. So she has to confront Kane and know that she's different than she was when he left and accept that and I guess live happily ever after with him or go their separate ways. We aren't really given really I just know realized why audiences didn't feel really <laughs> likable and it's because she had an affair and because people I'm sure, just yeah. yeah. Just, even though the whole point of the movie is that it can't wait to thing. judge women for doing anything that yeah it's just ridiculous that's why yeah. you can't have women-led movies is because everybody decides to not like a woman for any little thing but yeah. i digress yeah having an affair is not a little thing though. well no that's a big thing but i don't no okay to be fair that is a very <laughs> big thing and a very very uh wrong thing to do and it's not a strong point in her character but i feel like you understand why she did right like she absolutely she hardly saw her husband at all i mean everything that the guy she was having an affair with told her right was true i was more concerned with the fact that he had a wife i'm like do they have a regular relationship because her thing seems understandable (laughs) you know like i don't know What's yeah. your deal, pal? Yeah. <laughs> Real is just while he was so like didn't show any emotion at all. Yeah. Like, like, I love her. She has no fault in this. He's like, why are you so cool with what's happening? And trying to convince Lena that everything's okay when like you're clearly the grossest of the two people by far. Um, so in any case, zeroing in on the fact that she had an affair. So I was kind of wondering to myself also, like, so everybody around her has been changed by some major trauma and I was wondering like what was hers and is is it just the fact that she had an affair I don't think it's just the affair I think it's the fact that she had the affair and she blames the death of her husband on the affair like she feels responsible for even though he comes back like before he came back even if he had died what does that have to do with the affair I don't understand how that would cause that because he chose the mission and knew it was a suicide mission because he knew she was having an affair yeah oh okay i missed some things okay that's me yeah during during the scene that same scene you were talking about where the guy is talking about like all the reasons why she should feel that bad he um i just lost my train of thought like oh he says something of like what are you so afraid and she said that he knew yeah that's why he left early okay i didn't put all that together so actually, I'm glad we brought this up because I was I was wondering like what her character arc actually was and like how she developed. And that makes more sense now that I'm understanding the plot better. So I'm going to bump up some of my score. So I previously had knocked down character development and character arcs because clearly I missed some points in the story on the main character's development and arc. So I just bumped those up and now uh, writing for characters of that a 9.0. All right. And I, like you, the lowest score was for dialogue. Fair enough. What did you give dialogue out of curiosity? Eight. 
Okay, that's not much lower than mine. The lecture scene really bothered me because no, it was a little <laughs> university professor. <laughs> On the first day of class, she's like doing like a, this like major speech like so dramatic like she spent weeks working on this speech like the first day of class she'd be like here's the syllabus here's the syllabus (laughs) yeah Yeah. come to class this is how many tests you can fail before you fail the class yeah yeah please show up (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's a TV professor, not real life yes exactly that makes it more weird that on the first day she's sitting yeah, I mean, I guess she was showing the slideshow, but she would still be standing up in the front, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, this is very casual. <laughs> like, she's, if she can, like, make it through the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> you can stand in front of your class. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have, you had a 9.0? Yes. I have a 7.0. And what was yours again? Um, 9.5. Okay, so mine is, uh, actually, mine was also 9.5. I was going to say mine was the highest again. Um, but it's tied with UM. Um, yeah, I gave everything. Everything was either outstanding or perfect. Um, a couple tens, and the lowest being the eight point five for dialogue. I I really like this script. It's it's really a shame this movie came out in February because it pretty much doesn't stand a chance for any Academy Awards. Maybe a few technical things, but probably not. Um, and it probably it's a sci fi movie. It wouldn't get nominated for anything anyway. At least not scripts. But man, this was a solid script. I thought. Um, it sounds like we all thought we all gave a high score. I feel like this could have been in the same category as like um, Arrival, Arrival, yeah. or Gravity. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. say that sci-fi movies can't get nominated for stuff. I'm really surprised this didn't get more. Did it come out in February of this year? Yeah. So yes. the same week as Black Panther. Which one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it pretty much did, and it and it came out on it was a Netflix release for most of the world. So it came out. It was, I think it was just China and America and the U.S. It came out in theaters and everywhere else was Netflix. Um, well, so. I just don't understand why it didn't rank up there with, with you know, the movies. Like, like this feels like it has so much in common with Gravity and Arrival. Yeah. Why this one just got I, swept under the rug, I do not understand. I, I think it was just, I think the studios were, were really upset that, that Alex Garland wasn't going to change anything for them. And so they... That's a shame. It's a, it is a shame. Because I think it probably could have come out in... December, I think they could have made it for for the Academy push. Um, and I think the studio just did everything they could to sweep it under the rug out of bitterness or whatever, which is really a shame because there, there's a lot of potential, which we'll get we'll get into in some of the other categories too. Um, there's a lot of, of really, really strong categories and to come out in February. I mean, I get, and get Out came out in February too. It's not impossible, but yeah, no one's really talking. I mean, some people are talking about it, but not. For the studio to put a movie out in February, they're saying we don't believe we don't. this is mm-hmm. going to get anything. Yeah, exactly. All right. So that's going to bring us to the next category, which we've already talked about a little bit. That's going to be acting and casting. I don't even quite know where to begin. I feel like there's a, a million different places to start. Um, I think one of the most obvious, well, <laughs> I don't even want to... <laughs> I was going to say there is there's the the quote unquote whitewashing issue with this movie, which I, I vehemently agree is not a case of whitewashing. Uh, but I already talked about it in my YouTube video and I kind of don't feel like going over it again because it's kind of an older issue. But I don't know about something I should was talk about. Was the main character not white in the book or like what's the... She was... So the, the biologist was half Asian in the book. The biologist being Lena... 
And Ventress, I believe, was half Native American, but they don't reveal those details until the second book. So in the first book, no physical descriptions are given, um, and then everybody called whitewashing when this was only ever supposed, like, they're not intending to make a trilogy of movies. This is a, just an adaptation of the first book. You know, he only read the first book, didn't even read the others, so I don't, and it's not, it doesn't play a part, like, it's mentioned in one sentence in the book for each of the characters, like, there's, the whole point of the book is that the, the character, or not the whole point, but a very strong, you know, recurring thing in the book is that, like, these people are, their functions, they're not people. <laughs> it's a very, like, they don't even have names, and the, the physical descriptions are, are moot points, they're used very rarely to give a little tiny bit of information about a character that does not play a part in the major role at all. Um, so it's kind of different than, like, a series of books where these are, like, beloved characters where you want to see them on the screen the way that you'd always imagine Exactly. Okay. Yeah, like, the, the whole point of these characters is, like, you have a biologist, she's a biologist, she has a function. Okay. Like, they don't even have names because, and, and it's, like, a thing in the book, like, when you go into, they just call it Area X in the book, it's not the shimmer, but, like, when you go into Area X, you leave your name behind. You don't, you know, they don't want to give anything to this environment, including okay. language that has importance. Um, so it's a whole thing in the book. Um, but yeah, so the whole whitewashing, it was a, a big controversy, like, when the movie was first announced. And then I feel like even by the time it got into theaters, people kind of realized it wasn't um, quite what they thought <laughs> as far as... Um, I mean, I think most people, they hadn't read the book and they just heard that, like, oh, the character is supposed to be... Well, in this case, Asian and, and Native American, and then got mad when they didn't cast that, but that's not in the first book. So anyway, that's my feeling. I don't know if anyone else has has different feelings, but that was the first thing that I noted under acting and casting is like, I guess we should talk about this. I feel like I don't know enough about it to comment not being familiar with the books at that's all. That's fair. So. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing of note is just like there there are no physical descriptions in the first book. Like regardless, that of what does happens. seem like a fair point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, I didn't. I didn't mean to be like a downer or whatever. And that's such a. I don't know. Already been talking about it in a lot of other places. Yeah, like for me, what made it not much of an issue besides that there weren't physical descriptions in the first book, like you were saying, this movie and the casting department did really well with diversity. Absolutely, yeah. Like, there's Gina Rodriguez, there's Tessa Thompson um, in the main cast, and then throughout the world they build, there's diversity. It's not yeah. just, like, Rodriguez and Thompson and then a bunch of, like, white extras. Yeah. yeah. And they do really well with, like, gender diversity, too. And so it's it feels like a real world in that sense, whereas a lot yeah. of other movies might like try to cast a handful of like people of color in the main cast and then a very white supporting cast, extras. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like I feel like it delivered. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I guess my next uh, my next two points we've already talked about a little bit, but I feel like we um, we didn't delve into it as much as we as we certainly can. <laughs> That's going to be um, the first one is. is Oscar Isaac and how do we feel about the Southern accent where I guess Jesse and I talked about it a little bit and then kind of cut the conversation short since that it wasn't the right category. <laughs> um, but there there's Oscar Isaac in general and then his Southern accent specifically. And then uh, my other note is just Jennifer Jason Lee thoughts. Because <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I go back and forth with them. Like, is she a brilliant actress doing something amazing or is this just kind of weird and awkward? And I, 
seen this movie four times, cannot figure it out still. Um, <laughs> if it's weird fiction, then that might be the right choice to go with. <laughs> I suppose that's true. I suppose that's true. I kept thinking that she was going to have some sort of ulterior motive revealed because she was this like very like just straight faced non emotional person that didn't really seem like she cared if these people lived or died or were when when, um lena first arrived after everything and had no idea where she even was she was just completely like "Eh, whatever like she wasn't sympathetic at all or even pretending to be so i just kept thinking that she was going to be this like just really like bad guy and nothing like that ever really happened she was just kind of a character like the rest of them right i mean I think that's true. I would argue, as far as ulterior motives, I think she did have one, but I don't think that she was, like, a villain in that regard. Yeah. Because she definitely, I mean, like she said, she's like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to the lighthouse because I want to make sure that I'm me when I get there and I don't really care what happens to you guys. Stay here. Come with me. Well, actually, I think she said that a few times. She's like, mm-hmm. I'm going. You know, like, she's supposed to be the leader. And she's just like, I am going to the lighthouse. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Like, she yeah. just yeah. does not care what they... She does not care about their safety, does not care about their... Um, I mean, really, I mean, you have Shepard, who is, like, literally the shepherd of these people. Like, she's the emotional leader, so of course she's the first one to go. And then you have this cold, whatever, not yeah. really... Like, she's supposed to be the leader. They refer to her as the leader several times, but she's not leading them at all. She's she's on her own mission. Like, just like Luna said at the beginning, like, I don't think that's your mission statement. Yeah, I feel like after every single line that she delivered, she could have rolled her eyes and shrugged her shoulders and gone, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. If Daria was your manager. <laughs> like, I yeah. liked her character, especially because like she's been in charge of this mission for three years. And for three years, the people that go to the mission consistently die. So I can kind of see like why she would be just... Like, I don't know if defeated's the right word. Dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I'm just like, we're going to do this mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we're here to do. Like, deal with your emotional stuff <laughs> on your it. own time. Yeah. yeah. You have no your own time. Yeah. Don't deal with it. Yeah. And I guess either she completes the mission and it's a success and she's done with this stuff, or she's she dies and she's done with this stuff. I even find, like, with each viewing, I feel, like, I definitely, by the end of the movie, each time I see it, I feel like I have different feelings on her. And then even throughout (laughs) the movie, like, I feel like, like, the scenes when she's, like, like, before they go into the shimmer and she's just, like, the elusive director, like, I feel like it's, like, okay, this is kind of ominous and she's a little weird and definitely cold and unfeeling and that kind of works in these scenes. And then you get to the shimmer and she's just kind of, like, did you really think it was going to work? Come on, let's go. And it's like, do I like what just happened there? Or was that weird and awkward? And I I don't know. Like, I, I cannot make up my mind on if it was a really good performance or just way too over the top and weird. All right. Was there anything else we want to talk about for, for acting and casting? Any any strengths? Any weaknesses? Any other notes? Natalie Portman. I'm surprised you didn't talk about that. I mean, I feel like I talk about her enough in other episodes, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I think I said this at the beginning, maybe I just thought it, but I mean, when I first heard of this movie, I heard Natalie Portman, sci-fi, Yeah. and I, I didn't even watch a trailer, I was like, I am in, that, I mean, honestly, I just need to hear Natalie Portman, but Natalie Portman, sci-fi got me particularly excited, um, I mean, she's just amazing, I, it, it should 
like I said, anyone who's listened to any episodes, anybody who knows me personally, should come as no surprise that I just, I, I legitimately think she is the most talented actor of our time. Like, ten times better than Meryl Streep. Come on. <laughs> She's so good. Oh, word. <laughs> Fuck you, Meryl Streep. Out of nowhere. <laughs> But yeah, Natalie Portman, man, like she's, that's how I knew, this <laughs> total side rant, but that's how I knew that the, the Star Wars prequels, there was nothing good in them. Yeah. If you can make Natalie Portman look yeah. like a bad actor, and it's not even that she was young, because she was in Leon the Professional when she was like 12, like several years before those, and was amazing. So to make her look like a bad actor, like there, there's nothing that could have saved those movies. But that's a whole other, whole other story. <laughs> See, also um, Thor: Dark World. Yeah, she could not save that one either. Oof, yeah, you want more on that? <laughs> be sure to listen to last week's episode because we go into that a bit there. Um, but yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about Natalie Portman. She's amazing. I could, I could keep going, but I, I don't think it's necessary. <laughs> Well, what did you guys uh, think about about the main cast, other than than the two we really delved into? Yeah, I thought everything was really good. The only note I took was for face acting, and I just wrote Natalie Portman. She is the master. <laughs> yeah. Did anybody else have any any notes, any comments, strengths, weaknesses, yada yada? This isn't a major weakness by any means, but just as a point to talk about. Do you think that Natalie Portman looks a little bit? awkward holding a gun she made a face i yeah i just thought she looked a little uncomfortable with it just i don't know not necessarily like maybe uncomfortable is the wrong word but i just thought like the body language of her like holding a gun and shooting she didn't really look very like completely like in it and aggressive she kind of looked like she was trying to look good i don't know she's an, an israeli citizen isn't she yeah, so she they, was born there, but I think she was in America by the time she was of age to serve in the military. I don't hmm. think she served in the military. She did not serve in the military. I want. I think I kind of thought that to myself too, because because I knew she was born in Israel, and I was like, do you, like, does she have any actual experience with guns? I don't think she does, because she just looks a little, little really? awkward when she does yeah. it in the movie. She's also huh. vegan. Yeah. And so that was quite also... the pacifist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to learn that what's his name? Oscar Isaac was filming this at the same exact time as Star Wars. Yeah. Oh. And was like running between the lots. Wow. Yeah. I mean, like he was running between the lots to do like dialogue on Star Wars and like laying in a bit in coma. Yeah. In this one. <laughs> That's crazy. So. All right. Well, should we give our give our final scores then? Acting and casting, I gave it 8.8. Okay. I went with a, a solid 10. Wow. All right. Hmm. Yours really low? Uh, it came out to 7.8. I'm not sure why. I expected higher than 7.8. Oh. But the grid doesn't lie. What got, uh, now I have to ask out of curiosity, what got, what brought it down? I guess extras. Oh, Nothing really? stood out as good or bad. I gave extras a 10 because there were so Who many just, extras? exactly, there were so many just faceless people like in the, uh, the, um, when she's being interrogated and there's like a whole like there's yeah. like a glass wall behind her of just people in hazmat suits just staring at her and those blue gloves yeah <laughs> I thought uh, acting I guess 
Oh, I thought acting was great. I gave it a, a 9.8. The only thing that brought it down, I gave line deliveries a 9. Everything else got a 10. Um, and that was mostly because of the ambiguity, I guess, of my feelings for Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> and then also the Southern accent, which I'm also kind of uh, ambivalent. No, that's not quite the right word. Um, not sure how I feel about. At times, I think it works really well. And then other times, I can't quite figure out why he's doing it. So those two reasons were really the only reason that that category didn't get a perfect 10. Um, but 9.8 overall, another very strong category. All right, so that's going to bring us to cinematography lighting. Honestly, I'm not too sure what to say for this category, so maybe I'll let other people go first. If if anyone has anything to say first, any, any strengths that stood out, any weaknesses, overall thoughts? Well, this is the first time I, I watched a movie for the first time ever like, knowing that I was going to be scoring it like this afterwards. So I think I noticed lighting a little bit more than I normally would. And I thought it was really good. There were a lot of, like, interesting light sources used in shots, and it did a really good job of, like, showing mood. And everything in the shimmer kind of was made to, like, evoke kind of a sense of wonder. And, like, the lighting mm -hmm. worked really well for that. This was a really strong category. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with that. The lighting in the shimmer was also uh, sort of like a rainbow effect mm -hmm. applied to it. It was really cool. Anything off in the distance was slightly rainbow, like a rainbow haze almost. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And you see the uh, like the, the shafts of light filtering down through the trees a lot. And uh, the creepy indoor scenes were very dark and very creepy. Um, this movie does have a ton of lens flare. Yes. <laughs> Way more than it reminds me of the first J.J. Uh, Abrams <laughs> Star Trek. I love the lens flare, though. I, I see yeah. that stuff and I'm like, that looks good. Yeah. And other people are like, too much. <laughs> it was a lot. But yeah, it, it, it was a lot. This movie. <laughs> but yeah, this is also one of the highest categories for me. Yeah, so I basically gave everything a 10 except realism. And only reason I gave realism a 9 and not a 10 was because like in the shimmer sure there's that wonder there's that hyper realism but when they're on the research center there's like some glowy stuff going on and I'm like that wouldn't be happening just outside the shimmer by itself maybe so I felt like that was a little questionable of a choice yeah um, yeah that was the only thing. It was just like a little bit of glow on one part. And I was just like, <laughs> yeah, maybe too much. But Fair besides enough. that, it was just so beautifully lit. And there was great contrast throughout it. And... All right. well, I had a very similar thoughts to, to everybody, it seems like. I, I gave everything a perfect 10. I mean, I thought, like everyone was saying, with the mood, like it definitely, you know, gives that sense of wonder. But then you also have scenes like, I can't believe we've gotten over an hour in and this is the first time we've mentioned it, but the bear scene, oh my God, everything about that scene is is perfect. And the lighting, like it just gets... One of my notes is OMG the bear. Yes. <laughs> as it should be, as it should be. Um, but just, I mean, just the lighting in that scene, like it, it definitely has, like it's very moody, but it's not over the top. There's just enough that's in shadows, but man, you sure see that there in perfect light, which they easily could have just had him almost all in shadows. Yeah. Um, and it's just everything in that scene is just just perfectly moody, perfectly, you know, perfectly creepy, tells the story just right. The movie in general just has a, a really great balance of 
showing this this beauty of, of all of this change and how amazing it is with just the horror of what it's doing to the environment. Like it's very, mm. you know, horror, but beautifully done. And I think the lighting is, is a big part of that that doesn't get talked about quite enough with this movie, I think. Um, and there's definitely like a lot of things like, you know, I feel like it's magic hour, like 25% of the time when that doesn't make sense. But I'm like, but it's so beautiful and it helps tell the story. And maybe it's not the most realistic and I probably should have given that one a lower score. But well, I, no, but the I just feel like not even in the, like in the normal, like, like the flashback scenes and uh, stuff, like everything's in, in magic hour lighting, which I'm saying like, it's a bad thing. And, and usually it would be. And for some reason in this movie, I'm like, I, I don't care. It's, it's helping tell the story. It looks beautiful. Maybe it's not the most realistic, not maybe it's not the most realistic, right. but for the story that it's telling, I felt like it was, it was okay to, to bend realism a little bit. Um, so for me, it was, it was perfect tense. <laughs> so what was everybody's, um, everybody's average score? Mine was a 10 in that category as well. All right. Mm-hmm. Wasn't expecting that. Yes, I got a 9.8. All right. I got a 9.6. All right. What uh, what brought yours down? <laughs> what brought it down from a perfect 10? Yeah. Uh, realism and storytelling a little bit. I don't really remember why, though. Yeah, so that's going to bring us to cinematography camera work, which which is another category I didn't take any notes on, but I probably have a lot to say. But uh, what, did, what did everybody think about? Cinematography, camera work. Uh, I gave camera movement a perfect 10 out of 10. That's because you could tell when there were scenes that there was like a stable stationary camera. And then there are others where it was more like a handheld camera. And then there are others where it was more like on a dolly. So it was moving smoothly. And that just really caught my eye. And it seemed like it was always appropriate and interesting. And I liked it. I think it was perfect. This was like my the category I was harshest on because he was the writer director. Like when he wrote it, he probably had a very specific picture of each shot in his head. And they felt like he could have gone like done more dramatic angles or camera work and that kind of stuff without go getting too stylized. And they feel like he felt a little short of like what he fully could have done and accomplished behind the camera. Or just, there was a okay. few scenes where I'm like, it's kind of a boring shot for what's going on, or it's not like helping building tension. It just felt kind of like a throwaway, like two shot or over the shoulder. Or fair enough. I wanted so much more. <laughs> <laughs> I this was the only category for me where I didn't have any notes because I just didn't really quite know what to say about it. But I gave everything tens because I kind of linked it to lighting and just in that. I figure if I like the overall look of the movie, it probably has mostly to do with camera work and lighting, I guess. So it's fair. without yeah. any expertise, that's what I did. I, I also gave everything a 10 in this category. <laughs> um, and I think it just comes down to um, kind of like what you were saying, Jess, of like it, you know, it, it, it meets my aesthetics perfectly well. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of symmetry, which I said it once, I'll oh, say yeah. it again. I am a sucker for symmetry. Um, so I definitely like that aspect and, and what else there were things like, um, the first time we see the shimmer, the inside of the shimmer, I should say, like we just, the, the only shot we see is, um, like a little corner of the tent that's open with like a lens flare coming through and it's like this great, like, <laughs> got that lens flare, yeah. got that, you know, great POV shot. It takes you a kind of a second to figure out what you're looking for. 
And then when you realize what it is, it's like, oh, that's the most mundane thing, but we're inside the shimmer. It should be this fantastic thing. Um, so things like that I thought were great. And the camera movement, definitely going back to what you were saying, Tristan, I, I loved the camera work throughout. Like there was definitely a lot of very fluid movements, which, which again, I just, just speaks to my aesthetic. I love a good fluid camera movement, I guess. So yeah, I think just, um, aesthetically speaking, um, it, it hit all the right points for me. So it was, it was perfect times for me. Yeah. Another thing that stood out for me is the, uh, the overall framing or mise-en-scene. Yeah. Um, Favorite term. Yeah. They did a good job of mixing up like wide landscape shots and mixing that in with more close-ups. And I noticed that a lot of the interior shots, like inside the houses and the hospital area or whatever science area that is, um, it was very symmetrical and it was very stationary. And they would often have like sections of walls on the sides of the frame. Yeah. Yeah. Which was another thing that made the the, the normal like suburban inside indoors world totally different than inside yeah. the shimmer. All right. Well, well, Jesse and I both gave it perfect tens. Uh, how about you two? So as I said, it was my harshest category, and it came out with a nine point one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> totally brutal. Well, I gave it a nine point So I'm still giving it lower than everyone else in every single category so far. <laughs> So that's going to bring us to editing and special effects. As with most movies of this genre, I suppose, uh, the first thing we should probably talk about is the special effects. And I think one of the one of the biggest things to note is how uh, how little green screen there was in this movie. I would have just assumed that like most of the movie was green screen. And then in watching the special features, it's like, now there's a lot of CG in here. Like they added a lot of the like fungus to the trees and things like that. But there's very little green screen and then even with like the the creature work like they have the the alligator or crocodile or whatever isn't the main difference their teeth and this one had mutated teeth anyway so does it matter a crocodile shark (laughs) a crocodile crocodile? all right uh but we've got the crocodile and of course the bear um and i feel like a couple other things but maybe that's it um oh the the intestines that great scene where they rip his stomach open he's got the intestines like that was all well, the intestine one was completely practical. That's amazing. It blows my mind. Um, and then the other two, they built like these really detailed models and then used that to get like the weight and the you know grass moving and ripples in the water and then like replaced the model with CG. Like it's just amazing. Like I did, I was impressed with the special effects before and then I watched the special features and I was like, my mind is blown. This is crazy good. Like they had an actor or someone that sent me in as the bear. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just... And he was amazing, just the way he moved. I'm like, man, like he's like an actor in the movie, practically. And <laughs> it was great. Was Jack. he in a suit, or was he like, did he have like ping pong balls on him and they CG'd him? It wasn't ping pong balls. He wore like a purple spandex suit and then like a bear head. And like, I think he had some stuff on his legs, too. Yeah, the suit was very bulky. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like a spandex thing. It was meant to be massive, so they could like position props and things. Okay. Yeah, to get like the weight of him and to give the actor something to react to. But then they like completely replaced it with CG. Gotcha. But it's crazy detailed. Like if they had just said like, oh yeah, we used this model. We didn't even use CG. I would have believed them based on the model they showed. Like I'm like, that's really detailed. Yeah. Uh, so it's no wonder that everything looks so good. They had real stuff and then they just had to recreate real things um another thing about this movie that surprises me as far as the attention that it got like i already mentioned like other 
kind of artsy sci-fi movies that got a bunch of attention that this movie didn't. The bear scene, the bear and the revenant with that bear attack scene got so much hype. That bear, <laughs> like they like had a bear at the Oscars practically. <laughs> like they were like so everybody was talking about that bear scene. This was just as good as that. Yeah. I mean, I was blown away. I was like, how come I never heard about this? Yeah. yeah. That scene. Oh, man, that scene. Uh, I definitely have more to say about it in the next category, which is sound design. But <laughs> both of the, Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, yeah but I, I'm like losing my train of thought. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, just I'm not thinking there about scene. that scene. Yeah. Uh, but as far as the, the special effects go, like, I mean, that's that's a that's a scene that easily could have just looked cheesy or silly or or fake or you know whatever name your your word or whatever like it could have been bad yeah focusing and, so much on that kind of a beast it could go really south really mm-hmm. fast yeah for sure and and man they they pulled it off so well and and the sound design too like if, if the sound design had been just a little bit bad it would have ruined the scene but yeah, and even just the the way it was edited, like the the pace of the scene and the what you see and what you don't see, it's just phenomenal. Like that scene is, I don't think it's, maybe I do think it's the best scene in the movie. I don't know. There's a lot of good scenes in this movie. Um, but as far as the editing goes, I think that's easily one to point to, to, to say like, this movie has really good editing. Look at this scene. Um, and I think the lighthouse scene as well has some some really great editing and some great special effects. Like when the the clone being, alien being, is like morphing and it's just that cloud of material. The yeah. whole like acid trip scene, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I think they use like just like almost a light fixture to mimic that effect. So hmm. Portman had something to interact with. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it wasn't just like a CGI thing they added in afterward. It was like it was yeah. a physical orb there before. That thing looked really good, too. I mean, like, it was cool looking. That's another thing that could have looked really hokey. Yeah, it could have looked like, like a window screensaver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. but it was cool. Yeah. Can you imagine getting to the lighthouse and it's like those, that pipe thing? <laughs> the pipes? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Although, like, the, the end credits, it does get that god kind of screensavery. Yeah. Yeah, at least they waited until then. <laughs> yeah. The budget was gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? How did everybody feel? Um, we didn't really talk about this in writing, but I think editing plays just as much of a role with this movie. Um, how did we feel about the pace? That's that's definitely a, a point of contention with a lot of people, um, particularly in in the last act. Hmm. Like I guess I guess what I'm asking is. Does that scene in the lighthouse go on for too long, or is it perfectly well paced? It's a slow burn. The whole movie is a slow burn. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people get to that scene, and that's either a make it or break it scene for people. It wasn't even fifteen minutes long. Well, I was gonna ask. Now you ruined it, but that's okay. I ruined oh. your thing earlier. Um, ah, now we're even. Yeah. I was. I was gonna ask um, how long everybody thought. You can still ask. Yeah. Uh, well, I got, yeah. I guess I'll just ask you too. How long? How long did that scene feel to you? Like how? Like how long do you think it was? Like from when? From when Ventress explodes into the light until the shimmer burns down and we cut back to the southern reach. Probably like 20 minutes or so. Okay. Eight. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I got 12. What did you get? You know, about the same? 
Yeah. So it's only about 12. I would have guessed 20 to 30. Like, I, I thought it went on for so long. I probably, yeah. But the reason why I thought more higher was not because I sat there and felt like it was going forever. But I think just because it, like, had such an impact, it felt like yeah. a big chunk yeah. of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I definitely, the first time I saw the movie, the first out of four, I definitely had a problem with the pace in that scene. Like, I loved the movie, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily a make it or break it thing, but I was like, man, this is, this is triggering my anxiety, like, for real. Like, yeah. I'm just like, just, just, just get out of the fucking lighthouse. What are you doing? Like, just, ugh, it was. <laughs> don't crawl, don't crawl in the hole. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then once I knew where it was going. I was kind of like, okay, I know there's an end, obviously, and like, I know where, I know what's gonna happen. Then it, it, it still is a tense scene. It's still like, oh, this is weird and unnerving, especially with that music, which, which again, we're getting to in the next category. But I, I just love that scene, even though it does, it is very anxiety-inducing, at least for me. Um, it's intense. It's intense, which is weird because it's kind of just two people dancing, basically. I mean, they're kind of <laughs> fighting, but it's just like this choreographed dance that's kind of a fight. Well, I think it goes back to the, everything's just so foreign and so alien. Yeah. That it's just unnerving. And yeah. like you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really know what is happening. Yeah. It's just there's weird. No, there's no dialogue in that scene, right? None at all. Right. Yeah, pretty much from the time Ventress says annihilation, or maybe she keeps talking, but whenever she, she That's her last word. Yeah, so so she says annihilation and then we don't get anything until So it was alien, I think is what he says to break the silence. Um so yeah, there's a whole the whole scene. There's some grunting, I guess. There's a little bit of of human noises, but for the most part it's just that soundtrack. I also love within that scene, um, and I guess this goes back to camera work as well, but I think editing plays a big part too. Um, like when she's pinned up against the door yeah. and just the the editing at work and, and again, the camera work as well, um, just to, to give that feeling of like anxiety and claustrophobia. Like she's trying to, to get out and she, I, I think this is, I've heard different people interpret this different ways, but I think what's happening is she's pushing back to try to get the alien off of her and it's mirroring her by doing the opposite. So it's pushing her right. against the door, right? Is that what other people? Yeah, that's what I thought. I okay. was wondering why if she was pushing back, it wasn't pushing back too, but I suppose that makes sense. I think yeah. it's the opposite because there's a thing like when they're getting up off the ground and she's pushing off with her left arm and it's pushing off with its Yeah, and arm. when they're facing each other, they're going the right way. So it would be like a mirror image. So yeah. Like, so I think it's pushing and she's, like I said, it would both be pushing but in opposite directions. Right, Natalie or she's pushing against the alien, so the alien is pushing back mm -hmm. against her. Yeah. And speaking of the camera work in that scene, like, it just made me remember, like, there's actually parts where the camera actually goes kind of in and out of focus. Yeah. Which kind of gives you the feeling of, like, losing consciousness. Yeah. yeah. And I also really liked, this is just, now this is just blatantly going back to camera work, but I for, kind of forgot about this till just now there's um like in that shot like you only see like half of natalie portman's face and you see like the the humanoid i think is how it's credited whatever we want to call it like its arm is is in frame and kind of cutting view and it's a very like fragmented close-up shot which is actually really similar to a shot we see earlier in the movie when it's lena and kane in bed and you see like his shoulder and it's like cutting oh, yeah. off and it's like that same kind of claustrophobia. i don't know what that means exactly but I feel like it's important <laughs> that we get like that very different context and very different energy, but it's that same kind of claustrophobic framing in both of those instances, which I think is 
is interesting. Again, not entirely sure what it means, um, other than, I guess, that, I don't know, all the other stuff we've talked about already about the metaphors and, I don't know, I'm trailing off now. Uh, (laughs) Somebody interrupt me. (laughs) Um, All right, well, did anybody have any any weaknesses within editing? I feel like pretty much everything we've talked about has all been um, pretty strong. The only things I knocked it for, and like when I say knocked it for, it was nines instead of tens, <laughs> but it goes back to the writing, but it's also kind of an editing in that I didn't really like the the flash forwards being used as a storytelling tool. Okay. Yeah. So, but other than that, I thought everything was really good. Especially yeah. the special effects. I mean, I could go on about all the different oh, special yeah. effects that I thought were good. Oh, yeah. They were all so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, that was a category where, like, can I give it 11? No. But if I did, I would have given special effects an 11. Because yeah. they're just that good. And I've heard people complain about The Last Eye. This might just be specific to to one uh, one podcast that I listen to, and I will for anyone interested, because I've definitely listened to a lot of, of podcasts about this. I'll put a link to um, some of the other podcasts that I've listened to to talk about this movie, because a lot of them were really good. Um, but in one of them, they were talking about how when the the humanoid falls, it seems like she doesn't have any weight, and they just couldn't get past that. But I'm like, that was a person in a suit, and they just replaced it. So I don't know where, I don't know if that's a valid thing, or if they're being nitpicky and not realizing it. I'm not sure, because I thought it looked great. And then knowing that it was just, it was a person in a suit, and then they CG the suit, so they have the weight, they're just replacing it. So anyway, I... I guess I'm just saying they're wrong. <laughs> I think they also slowed down the oh the fall. The fall oh, yeah. they must have, yeah. So I think if you don't realize that's happening, then it probably it look kind like, of floaty or something. Yeah. I guess. I like suppose, a, but Natalie Portman is falling at the same rate because I mean they're literally mirroring each other. Yeah. So the real question is: Is Natalie Portman real? <laughs> 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 no, it's just a guy in a spandex suit with the golf balls on it. Um, well, I gave everything perfect tens in this one. Uh, I really liked the, the editing and special effects overall. Uh, how about you guys? Mine was all nines and tens, and it averaged a nine point four. My average was a ten. All right, nine point two. Still high. You know, it's a good movie when like nine point one and nine point two is like, ooh, oh, that's the lowest. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's going to bring us to probably, aside from writing, my favorite category easily with this movie, and that's going to be sound. Oh my goodness, where to start? There's so much to talk about. So much to talk about. Does anybody want to start? Does anybody have have something they, they want to talk about? Well, we already kind of touched on the bear. Yes. Yeah, just the sound design. Like I was saying in, in the last category, like if they had gotten that just a little bit wrong, it would have either... You, can't understand what she's saying and it's like is that a human voice what's happening or it's too human and it just sounds like someone going oh help me yeah i was wondering i realized when the bear came around the corner like oh that we heard the bear but then i was like what is this gonna look like when the bear actually opens its mouth like is this is the bear just gonna open its mouth and then like (laughs) you hear the human words coming out like but just the way it blended with the roar and it was mm-hmm. kind of garbled, like it was just really well done. Oh yeah. The perfect like example of things that this movie does to make it kind of feel like a dream, you know, where like yeah. things mix together that aren't really supposed to be mixed together and yet it's believable somehow and it makes you feel yeah. kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, what if you two are being a little quiet? What did you think? I, either about that scene in particular or, or anything else within this category. I mean, across the board, I gave it tens. And so I really don't have any negative things to say about it. Except, I mean, I can excitedly talk about any scene. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I love the mix of, like, the, like, twingy, folky... Yes. With like this super science fictiony music mm-hmm. and sound effects and everything in between they did and just like the complete silences and the grunts and just the world noises. Yeah. I I think they just nailed it so well. And like I I could still like the soundtrack and the score. And I've basically been living with it since we saw it in theaters. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Because my boyfriend loves to play that soundtrack and that score, just on loop as he writes and stuff, and like does yeah. things around the house. And so I just hear that wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> he must be writing. Kristen does. I get in the same way. I think for about a month after seeing that movie, I'd get up and get ready in the morning and be like brushing my teeth to the super intense music. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, just the... Well, I could, I could go on and on about the, the score and soundtrack, which I'm sure I will in a minute. Um, but Tristan, do you have any anything that strengths, weaknesses, uh, favorite parts? One of the thing I, things I really liked was the alien sounds. I don't know if they were coming from the alien or if they were just sounds that happened when the alien was around. But it sounded almost like talking, but it was like... Almost like really sounds, yeah. Yeah, it was like really weird. I can't even now have to watch the movie again. I don't remember hearing that. It wasn't like music sounds. It was something else. Like a... It was something else, all right. <laughs> yeah, like for me, it was like a stylized, um, staticky noise. It was kind of the audio version of the refractions and everything that the movie keeps talking about. I feel okay. like, you know, it was like, maybe they actually jumbled something up. I don't know. I was huh. wondering that, yeah. too. So it was just like background conversation yeah. stuff, and then they just ran it through a bunch mm-hmm. of software. And huh. I think I was so focused on the music. I four times I've seen this movie, and I don't think I've. I'm sure I heard it, and it just didn't stick in my memory for some reason. Because um, I think even the uh, even the music I think plays with that theme of like taking things and and breaking it apart. Because it starts off like what Emma was saying. It's got that yeah. really folksy music. It's got that. Uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash song that plays a couple of times, you know, it's just got this, like, you know, super folksy, very instrumental. Yeah, the homey. acoustic guitar. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, it's it's everything, you know, it's these long, drawn-out, single-note, you know, type things that's just, like, these, you know, it's breaking it down. It's no longer That's this really movie. interesting, because I actually, like dinged the score because I didn't like the folksy guitar sound <laughs> but now that you're describing it that way and it's like the mute the actual music of the movie is actually like degrading the way that they were degrading throughout the movie you know yeah I actually am looking at it way differently now that's really interesting <laughs> <laughs> yeah once they get to the lighthouse the music is just completely, just completely I mean completely I noticed different. that as just and I just took it as like a tonal shift but like the idea of the actual score of the movie progressing the same way that the characters are progressing like that's really interesting I agree I, I definitely talked about this when I did the um, the YouTube review where I just I don't think I've ever heard a score play into storytelling in quite that same way. I mean, certainly scores 
pretty much always by their nature play into storytelling in one way or another. Um, But this is really like it, like Jesse was saying, like it, it mirrors the journey that the characters are going through. Like it's, it's going through the same thing. Everything else is because everything is treated the same in the shimmer. So I really like that. And I, I like the, the music in general. I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for folksy music and I like the more intense, you know, music that we got at the lighthouse. Like it's just aesthetically is my style anyway and then to have it play into the story so well uh i just i can't get enough of it i love it now i want to listen to the score and see if like the songs in the middle are kind of an intermediate they do kind of do they yeah like it's kind of like it'll start off folksy and then kind of shift into something else that's the score is great i like i said i listened to it on repeat for like a month (laughs) it's it's fun not great for anxiety i think that's one of the reasons i stopped with that (laughs) alien song at the end you're having a bad day. It's just like, oh, now I'm so tense. <laughs> <laughs> I do think also, um, I had mentioned the, that Crosby, Stills, and Nash song. And I think it's it's interesting because um, I feel like it, it really plays into the themes of the movie. I actually, I printed out the lyrics like a nerd. Um, Are you going to sing it? I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I don't even think I'm going to read it because it's, I mean, it's, like a 70s folk song there's not that many words to it i don't even know if it's 70s i don't know when they were popular judging by the album cover i'm gonna guess 70s but (laughs) (laughs) but anyway um like the chorus is they are one person they are two alone they are three together they are for each other oh but anyway so i just think that that song is interesting and they only play it twice but you definitely get like all of the the guitar folksy music throughout very much so resembles it um, and you only get it. You get it when she's painting the room and then he walks up the stairs and then you get it. Um, I believe it's right after uh, right after Josie turns into the the tree plants and then you get a flashback to to her and Kane and you get that song again and then it's her breaking down in the shimmer. Yeah, that's the thing with like every category. There's just so much to unpack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything seems super relevant and connected. Yeah, this is definitely a movie... Like, like going into it with this being my fourth time watching it, there was definitely where I'm like, okay, I have to remember to pay attention to <laughs> A, B, C, and D. And then like halfway through the movie, I'm like, oh man, I was supposed to remember so to look for it. Yeah, like there's so much. Um, a lot of that we'll get to in the next category, um, aesthetics, because a lot of it comes up um, with just like things to look for in the background and, and things like that. There's a, a lot going on. Um, but yeah, there's still stuff where I was like, man, I meant to look at, at that and that scene and can't keep track of it all. There's so much. And like, I know the threads are there. Like, I don't think there's, there's much left hanging that's not supposed to be left hanging. Um, but there's just, every scene has something. All right. Well, I gave this um, easily a perfect 10. And honestly, I would have given this score a perfect 11 if I could. Like, this is probably, um, I think, easily even stronger than the script. Um, and, and even though several categories for me got perfect tens um this was easily the strongest for me i mean cinematography both categories of cinematography were really really strong um but the sound design man it's 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 perfect it is perfect to me at least what did everybody else give it well it has a 10 now that you set me straight on the score (laughs) (laughs) i gave it a 9.8. Well, I gotta ask, what brought it down? I just wanted to be different. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> the overall sound mix, which is weird because I also have a note that's a positive note, so I don't know 
and if, every, and if everything how is the overall how is the the whole less than the sum of its parts shimmer <laughs> yeah all right well if you don't think it's perfect you don't think it's perfect uh, how about you em it got a perfect 10 all right lots of uh almost all <laughs> perfect <laughs> all right well that's gonna bring us to aesthetics um and this one this is another category i i just have a lot to talk about but i guess before i do what uh does anybody have any any strengths weaknesses i just thought that everything looked so good like i mean it's not just the stuff in this category like the props and you know the hair and stuff it's like a combination between that and the special effects and um the lighting everything else like everything about the look and what you're seeing on the screen is like setting a really specific mood and tone of this like creepy but awe-inspiring yeah element that i just love i'm really into it all right did anyone else notice the tattoos yeah well that's one of them what other one? So that tattoo, the on the arm, mm-hmm. one character starts out with that, and then the main character ends up with it on her arm. A third character has it too. There's a third character who has it. I didn't mm-hmm. notice that. The uh, the guy who gets his intestines cut out. Oh. You can see it when they find his body in the pool. His arm is sticking out, and there's a faded one. I did see that. Mm-hmm. I did see that. That's right. I forgot so that's about weird because that. I noticed like when she was in the chair in one of the scenes where it was like after everything and she was kind of talking and then she kind of looked at her arm almost as though like what is that and she just like kind of yeah pointedly looked at it and I I just thought it was because they were like showing us the tattoo but it was also the first scene that I noticed it so I didn't realize that like it actually was not there before yeah there's actually um there's the scene right after the crocodile i guess attack where they're rowing in the boat and she's like scratching at her arm she's like oh i think like oh it must be a rash or something or i think the i think the the gator got me or whatever and it's like you can kind of see that it's something starting to form there and then what you said a character had it in the beginning who had it in the beginning um gina rodriguez's character anya thornson the one who goes crazy i mean they all kind of go crazy but the one who goes really crazy (laughs) ties them all up yeah (laughs) Okay. But I don't know, because that was another thing where I was like, I gotta remember to look, because I don't, well, first of all, I don't remember if she has short sleeves in the scene where they're at the Southern Reach. I think she has a tank top on and does she every have scene it? until she puts the hoodie on to hide. Like She's always wearing a tank top, pretty much. Yeah. I feel like there was a little bit of a chunk of time where she was wearing long, like when they first get there, I think she's wearing long sleeves. Maybe, yeah. But at the at the table when they first meet, I think she's wearing a tank top. Okay, she has it then. See, that's what I forgot. <laughs> that was one of the things where I was like, I gotta remember to look. Yeah, I feel like in the first viewing of it, I noticed that she had that tattoo, and I'm like, oh, it's interesting because it's so predominant on her arm, um, and then it kept reappearing afterwards, and then. Yeah. So I think it was before the mess hall. Like it, she's shown with it. I don't know how far back, yeah. but I know somewhere between the beginning of the movie and the mess. <laughs> yeah. That's not the only tattoo oh. I noticed. The main guy, uh, Kane, he has a tattoo of a bear. Oh. Does that one reappear on someone? Or are you just noticing I, I just noticed. Oh. I just noticed it. I don't know if that's relevant or if that's a coincidence. or. Yeah. 
He has like on his chest. Yeah. I noticed that one. I mean, the fact that it's a bear seems significant. Is he the bear? <laughs> there is actually I don't think he's the bear to, Maybe. To be <laughs> but no there is in the book um, but it's implied in the books that there are sometimes failed duplications where like you know someone goes in the shimmer and it's like oh you're gonna get duplicated and have a second you but oops now you're this weird mutated bear thing or it wasn't a bear in the book. I think it was a boar. But there's like these weird things have like kind of human faces, and like you can tell who they used to be. But well, that's kind of the idea of a lot of the stuff that's happening. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's still in keeping with what they did in the movie. In a way. Yeah. And like part of the bear itself, part of its skull on the side is part of a whole human skull. Yeah. And I think there's like a human eye in there somewhere that like shares an eye with it. But it sounds right. I think it has like multiple jaws and one of them that's yeah. I'm, I'm assuming is human it looks human there's <laughs> also been several teams sent in right oh yeah so, I, mean, I mean he wasn't the only one in his team so it could it be 50 been. or 60 people who have gone in here oh yeah i mean in the book it was hundreds i also noticed um speaking of duplications did anybody else notice that the house with the bear like that that same house where they get tied up is her house from the beginning of the movie. I know I, it looked very similar. I didn't know I'm, if it was the same I'm, or not. It's the same. Okay. That was my, like, the first time I saw the movie, I didn't even notice it. And then the second time, I was like, that's, like, framed the exact same way. I noticed that. See, I noticed then, that on the staircase when they came in, and I'm like, oh, is this her house? And then, like, they never said anything about it or anything, so I was like, I guess I just imagine that. Yeah. I mean... I don't know the significance of it. I don't know how it's there or why. Some people have suggested that maybe memory memories are somehow refracted, which doesn't quite make sense, but nothing really does. So I don't know. But well, then it is... also makes you wonder what's a hallucination and what's real. Yeah, that too. Because um, she does definitely, like, she doesn't say anything. She doesn't even seem to, like, have a look of recognition on her face. But she does stop and look at, like, a picture on the wall as if she recognizes yeah. it. That's where I thought they were going, and then they never said anything and about they never it after that, it. and so yeah. that's why my mind just dropped it. I was like, I guess I just read it with something that wasn't there or something. Yeah, but it's definitely, I mean, that kitchen table is the same exact kitchen table. It's framed the exact same way. The walls are the same color. Like, yeah. it's got it. I mean, we never see, like, we don't see much of the house, and most of what we see is the bedroom, which, for whatever reason, they never go upstairs. Like, they even say, like, when they get to the house and Ventress is, like, like they're setting up in the living room. She's like, I guess this is a bedroom. And I'm like, there, there's a bedroom upstairs, I'm guessing. But maybe that's, like, a military tactic so you have clear eye on the front door the whole time. I don't know. You don't get stuck upstairs with no way out. I'm sure it was tactical for some reason. But I thought that was interesting. Because I really, I'm like, I want them to go upstairs so I can see what color the walls are. If they're half painted or not. <laughs> like, if it is the house and like there's the the frame with like uh, Lena and Kane, that would explain how like Anya is super suspicious and like why she ties them up and like starts interrogating yeah. them because maybe she saw that photo of those two and it's just that's like, true, yeah. Final straw. That's where my mind went when she went and tied them up to chairs. But yeah. did she have the locket? Oh yeah. She could have found it. Like maybe she saw I mean, a picture and then yeah. I don't know. Who wears a locket? Is that I like thought that was kind of... No. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the few things where I was like... A locket, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, it couldn't have been his dog tags. They knew his name. They knew there was a Sergeant Kane on the mission. 
It's part of his southern charm. Yeah. <laughs> so teachers who sit in class and give speeches on their first day. That's who we're <laughs> So Jesse, this is something that, that I wanted to ask you specifically about. Uh, because I know you you studied biology in college, so I feel like you might have a little bit. <laughs> so what was this movie about? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you don't know the answer, that's totally fine. But um, in that scene, there, so Josie walks into the forest or whatever and like gets turned into a tree person. That makes it sound awful. <laughs> it was really beautiful, but that happened. And then we see the flashback of Lena and Kane like sitting on the couch and she's reading The Immortal Life of uh, Henrietta. Uh, yeah. Um, do, do you have any insight on <laughs> I know this one. I thought you might. It's, well, it's kind of a long explanation what that book is about. It's, it's sort of related to, okay, so <laughs> do you know who Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks was? I, I did a quick Wikipedia search. Okay, so she was a woman, I'm not sure how long ago, I want to say like the 50s or 60s. That sounds right. Yeah. Was 50s. So, you know, it was when a lot of like science was emerging and she was a black woman who did, was not educated and was not of means and she had cancer and they were able to keep her cancer cells growing in vitro like they will just grow and grow and grow there's just something special about her particular tumor line so basically um They've been doing studies all the way up until the present day on her human cells that are coming from her tumor that we have just been continuing to grow for all these years, which has brought up a lot of medical ethics concerns because she never gave consent or knew that this was happening. Her family found out it was happening. It was very confused. They didn't know if like they, they thought, you know, they had their mother like in a basement or something because they like didn't understand that this was just cells from her tumor and it's not her mm. so it's so yeah it's the story about her and about her cells but so I guess it's sort of tangentially related to the movie and that it has to do with like tumors and cell division okay yeah. and an immortal life and I mean, I mean yeah not really but yeah cells a least. life that goes on and on yeah. yeah but definitely has to do with cell division for sure yeah and it was um like at the beginning, that that lecture she shouldn't have been giving on the first day. She showed, <laughs> yeah, she showed the slides of cervical cancer cells. Yeah, which is, that was the same kind of cancer that Henrietta Lacks had. I believe uh, that sounds right. It might have yeah. been ovarian, but I can't remember. Maybe it was cervical. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that gives any insight to anything, but I thought it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's I did point. notice the book cover when she was yeah. reading, and I was like, "Oh, cool." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I feel like there's so many different things within this movie of like, oh yeah, did you notice this? Did you notice this? What can we talk about next? Um, and I feel like a lot of it comes into the the aesthetics. Um, this one, I don't know that there is a significance to this. I couldn't think of one, but it's another one of those things where I'm like, well, there must be some, right? Um, so everything throughout the movie, is, especially within the shimmer, is is very very colorful, very bright very vibrant is the word I'm looking for. They get to the lighthouse and everything is is very white, but like everything, there's still growths yeah. on the wall, but it's all, there's no color. There's the white and then there's the ash and like the black of the, the burnt body and things like that. So why, why 
is that? Does anybody have any theories or or suggestions? Is it symbolic? Is it purely aesthetic? I like I every time I watch the movie, I try and think of like why is there no color here and everywhere else is really colorful, um, and I, I I don't know. My immediate thought is just it's a blank slate. That's okay. where the alien and like its blobbiness happens and yeah that's where it begins to experience or have new experiences uh i thought it was just because it's a completely different environment the lighthouse is totally different and the main room is pure white and then the underground chamber is like pure black and it's just surrounded by all this like lush vegetation and rainbow skies and it's just a completely different place. That makes sense too. And anything to add? You're, I looking, mean, you're looking at me like, please don't turn to me next. Well, <laughs> I think they said it. I think it's kind of yeah. all of the above. Yeah. But I mean, I yeah, I kind of like the idea of it like being a clean slate. It's kind of, well, and if we go back to like, if she is really like destroying her old self once and for all and moving on as a new person, it's kind of like a place of cleansing, like okay. her, her like baptism into her new self, you know. Yeah. Makes I sense. also noticed that, um, like, the first thing I noticed when the movie opened was how white everything was in her little interrogation room, though, too. She was yeah, wearing white from true. head to toe. What do you of... think? I don't know. I, I had no idea. Um, I mean, I agree with everything all of you just said, but I, I had no idea. I Every time I watch the movie, I'm like, I, there's got to be something of significance, and I just... My brain didn't come up with any of those things. <laughs> I also, the last thing that I have of, of note, at least, is um, the the reflections in the glasses of water. And what does it oh, yeah. mean? Sorry so there's, um, you know, when Kane comes back and it's sitting at the at the table and he's talking with Lena, you can see his hand through, through a glass of water and it's like a, an inverse reflection, like it's, it's inverse. Um, and then later when Lena's in the interrogation room, it's the same thing. You see her hand through a glass of water and it's like inverted, uh, which a lot of people assume means like, like, oh, that's like the litmus test for, for how do you spot an alien is their reflection is, is backwards or whatever. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think it, I didn't think it was an inverted reflection. I thought it was just like a magnifying lens because there's even a point where, they're sitting across the table and they like hold hands and you see that through the glass and it's just a magnifier. I think when they hold hand, it's, it looks more normal, but when it's just his hand, like, like his fingers are pointing towards his wrist. Like it's, it's backwards. It's yeah. It's it's subtle, but it's, it's like, I mean, unless I was like totally misinterpreting and and shaking their head. I saw that too. Yeah. Like when she's stroking his hand, the hands aren't facing the direction they should be facing. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So it wasn't just me. Those are, yeah, I noticed them like kind of emphasizing the glass of water there, but I totally missed that the reflection or that the, what you saw through the glass was weird. Yeah. Yeah. So did I. Maybe it was just a nice little homage to signs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was. But. <laughs> One big question I had about the setting, the sets and locations was... So this shimmer's been going on for three years? Yeah, about mm-hmm. three years, they said. And they had him to build that huge research center. I'm assuming it wasn't there before. 
because it had like a perfect viewpoint right. for the shimmer. Yeah. Well, and they said there was like an old headquarters too. So at some point within the three years, like they had an original headquarters. It got overtaken. Yeah. Could that have all been built in three years? Like it looked it pretty, pretty extensive. pretty elaborate. Yeah. I think military... Like the military is good at building. Yeah, if they were interested quickly. enough in it, maybe they like, could. I don't know. I was just like, three years. How did they build this in three years? Like, yeah, that does seem. And it looks like brand new. I'm just like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> What's the actual timeline? Because <laughs> this is pretty close to the shimmer. If yeah. it's like gradually expanding, and they're just like, no, this will do. Yeah. My thought was maybe it's mobile. <laughs> it's just like very slowly. Because <laughs> it did away. seem like very, like permanent you would think that they would just be like setting up camp or something yeah so yeah. they could like move away when it got closer it's like the waves of the beach like you don't <laughs> yeah. yeah put your lawn chair like where there's like still wet sand yeah. <laughs> um all right well if nobody has has anything else to add then uh, what was everybody's final score for aesthetics mine was a perfect 10 mine was a 9.6 and mine came out to a 9.7. I gave the uh, the more character aesthetics of hair, makeup, and costumes. Those all I gave a 9.5 out of 10. Uh, but then the, the sets, props, and locations, easily 10 out of 10. Uh, a strong category overall. All right, so that's going to bring us to impact on film. Uh, this one gets divided into three subcategories of critical impact, audience cult impact, and historical inspirational impact. Uh, but this one I usually take the lead on because I guess I'm used to mostly doing them with Tristan and he just copies my score. Um, but does anybody else um, want to take the lead on this one or, or should I go ahead and, and explain my scores? Go ahead and get us started. All right. Um, so for critical impacts, um, I kind of just went to, to Metacritic on this one and I believe it was a 79. Um, so I just divided by 10 and rounded up and gave it an 8 out of 10 for critical impact. Audience and cult impact, normally I'll, I'll look at a, a handful of um, kind of aggregate sites and and aggregate it myself and come up with an average. Um, but for this one, I, I didn't even bother because I feel like um, it's definitely a love it or a hate it movie. So I feel like a lot of people just go into the movies on a random mm. weekend, going to see this because nothing else is playing. They're going to give it a bad review because it's not for them. Um, so I, I don't necessarily trust those those aggregate sites to give an accurate, um, especially for, for the more cult. I guess that would be an accurate for, for audience in general. Um, but I do think that the people who love this movie are, are like me. <laughs> they, they love it and they want to talk about it and, and they will keep talking about it. And I think this one, um, I, I've heard a handful of people say that it's going to have as much of an impact um, on film over time as things like 2001 A Space Odyssey just because it's it's so different and yeah. it's so thought-provoking. I don't know if I would go quite that far because because like Jesse said earlier like we've had a lot of, of strong sci-fi movies since then especially in the last few years um, so I think there's you know when 2001 A Space Odyssey came out there was nothing else like it and I would argue there's nothing else quite like this either but it at least has a genre that it firmly belongs to. So anyway, all that said, I gave Audience Cole Impact um, an 8 out of 10, just because I think it's going to have a, a really strong, lasting cult impact, even if a lot of people came out of the theater hating it. Um, and then historical and inspirational impact, pretty much for all those same reasons. I, I also gave an 8 out of 10, um, because I, I just think it's it's going to 
it, it's going to have an impact, especially for, for filmmakers and storytellers in general. <laughs> and M, you had mentioned that, that your boyfriend you know, listens to the soundtrack when he writes. I think it's because it's that kind of movie. It gets your brain going and I think it's going to have in one way or another an inspiration on a lot of of creative people whether it be filmmakers writers musicians like it it's endless like anyone with an ounce of creativity in them I think will see this movie and be inspired in one way or another um so so all three categories um I gave an eight to so eight out of ten for me for impact on film that's what I got did you just copy mine you just copied what everyone else said. Only for critical impact. The other two, I just judged it on my own. So did I. You say so. Um, for me, I went off a lot of like gut feelings. Yeah. And so for critical impact, I gave it a nine, just because I know that that was there were a lot of critics that loved it and thought like yeah, it got a bad deal. By the way, it came out. Yeah, the studios were not kind mm-hmm. to it. And then for the audience and impact, I gave it a seven kind of for similar reasons. And then for the historical inspirational impact, I gave it a 10. Like again, like it just, if you're at all creative, this is going to speak to something in you and make you like want to do better work or like do more interest or something. I don't know. Like it'll give you spark some idea and you'll be off and you're just running somewhere. Yeah. Wow. That was word zoo. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm happy with it though. <laughs> what did those? Um, I guess since Tristan and I gave our average, what was uh, what did that average out to? An eight point seven. All right. How about you? So I went more on gut feelings as well. I kind of looked a little bit at like how this movie was received, just doing some googling, and I also gave it a nine for critical impact. It seems like anybody who really is interested in looking at movies from a critical point of view is gonna rate this movie highly so I gave that a nine but the other ones I gave quite a bit lower again just based on gut feelings but audience cult impact historical inspirational impact I gave both of them sixes not because I think it's not a good movie I think this is a really really good movie but like nobody saw it and I'm really disappointed by that and I feel like sad (laughs) to only give it a six like I wrote on my paper but why (laughs) but like I don't know how much of an impact it can really have historically if nobody sees it hopefully you know maybe it will get a cult following over time I think that would be an ideal situation but um I mean I will say like I I'm on Twitter quite a bit with with gritty films and and film twitter as they call it is is a quite a flutter with or at least they were when it was newer um with annihilation so i think a certain type the the type of audience who knew to look for yeah because i listen to a lot of like pop culture podcasts i read entertainment weekly like i do stuff like that and like i hadn't heard like anything about this movie at all but that but those are things a little bit more geared towards like like, mainstream it's like highbrow mainstream but still mainstream you know what I mean like somebody who's like into movies but like not that into movies so (laughs) yeah Yeah. so I'm glad that it got a little more attention from like you know people who are like really into films specifically so yeah uh so what did those three oh that averaged out to a seven all right that's still not bad all right so that's gonna bring us to the most fun category as uh, the overall enjoyment. Uh, how did how did everybody 
enjoy this film. <laughs> the long pause. <laughs> I'm changing mine. I put a nine and I just changed it to a ten. All right. Yeah, a lot of my categories have changed as we've been talking about it just because getting the discussion flowing and like thinking of things out a little bit further I'm just like realizing more and more like how interesting and well thought out this movie was and like you know it addressed some like really big ideas and concepts and so and like in a really intricate way so it kind of you kind of have to talk about it a little bit before you realize how good it is so fair enough yeah I just changed it to a 10 all right, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> also a 10. <laughs> All right. Would watch again, would recommend. It has layers. It does indeed. And it's just pretty. Yeah. Yeah, if nothing else, that's kind of what I think. I'm like, I feel like I would recommend this movie to anybody, because even if you hate the plot, like, just look at the pretty pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, this would be the best screensaver you would ever have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes intense. Yeah. Okay, maybe just minus the body horror stuff. I guess there's a lot of that, but... Are you saying it would be better than the Windows 95 pipes? <laughs> it edges it out by a nose. How about you, Tristan? Uh, I think you should go first so I can explain why I didn't give it a perfect 10 again. Aww. <laughs> you didn't give it a perfect 10? Well, I gave it a perfect 10. I I love this movie. I like I said, saw it three times in theaters. Saw it again today. I, I really wanted to watch it like a couple days ago to prepare for watching it again today. <laughs> I just didn't have the time. I really wanted to, but I, I wanted to finish the books and watch the special features and, and fitting another viewing of the movie and didn't quite fit into that plan. Um, but that's how much I like this movie is I'm like, I could just watch, I could watch it every day for a week and find new things to talk about. I could probably do a new podcast episode, just just get different guests in and just talk about it. <laughs> like, what, what did you think? How did you interpret this? Like there's, um, I know Jesse, you had you had said that about um, 2001: A Space Odyssey that it's just the you want know, to you want to go read a bunch of essays about it and figure mm-hmm. out you know listen to what other people have to say Here's about read it. Read theories, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I've been listening to to a lot of other podcast episodes, um, which I'll I'll link in the description of this episode for sure because there's a lot of really good ones out there. Um, and just the I, I mean I just can't stop talking about this movie. We've been talking about this movie for almost three hours, and I could keep going. Um, like even yes. the special features, like the hours, oh, yeah. the hour plus of special features, it's so worth it yeah. watching that after watching the movie. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, it has really so much more appreciation for everything, like all the practical effects and special yeah. effects and how they just, I don't know, assembled everything together. Absolutely. Yeah. And just the just the attention to detail throughout is is just phenomenal. And just the... I mean, just the story itself, like we've talked a lot about just how, how beautiful everything looks and how it's just how everything fits together, but just the, the story itself and, the, and not even just the story, like not, I'm not talking about narrative, but like I was saying before about like plot versus meaning, like the, the message of this movie is so profound about like overcoming trauma or overcoming this, this innate need to self-destruct that people just seem to have and like figuring out you know, how to overcome that, like, it's, it's really, um, really profound, and really uh, just told in such a relatable way, and it's just, uh, it's just phenomenal, um, so, so yeah, easily 10 out of 10 for me. All right, Tristan, what did All you right. give it? Now to the villain of the group. <laughs> so, there's a lot of things that I really enjoyed about this movie. Uh, I thought it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It's one of the best sounding it's just very, very well crafted. 
Um, I also really like how it has this dreamlike quality to it. And there's different ways of interpreting it and different ways of connecting things. And I, I think you, Rachel, several times said, I don't know if this is meaningful, but I think it is. And just yeah. kind of throw something out there and, and you kind of get that feeling throughout the whole movie, which is really cool. But that's, I don't know. It, whenever I think about things like that, after a certain point, I'm just like going in circles and it's like, well, I don't know. Am I just making this stuff up or is this something that like the creator is trying to tell people or is, is it does my it, own interpretation? Does it matter? I guess it does for me. Huh, okay. I don't know. Cause usually sci-fi has like a, like a specific topic that it wants to address, like finding the balance between the needs of an individual and the needs of the group or how does technology affect us or things doesn't like this, that. Doesn't and, this movie do that? It's very personal. It's not as, I mean, yeah, usually, I usually sci-fi has a message about society and this is right. very much so about the individual and you know, like I was saying, self-destruction. It's an emotional and, story. Yeah. Exactly. Which yeah, I think maybe is... That's, maybe that explains it. <laughs> that's what I don't like. <laughs> yeah, the E word. That's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, there's a lot of things I really enjoy, but it just fell a little sh short for me or it missed the mark or like I, I do appreciate how good it is at doing that, but I don't know. It's, uh, it was slightly short of perfect so i gave it a nine out of ten all right that's still really high i'm sorry to disappoint you yeah it's gonna take some time but i'll get over it <laughs> uh did anybody give this movie any extra credits and gave it four points all right what for all right i wrote them down this time because <laughs> i always forget <laughs> all right so for one point for oh gosh if i can read my writing um <laughs> Oh, for persisting even with all the studio notes with the changes they wanted to make. Absolutely, yeah. And just saying, like, no, we're not going to make those changes. Screw that. Like, yeah. she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, a second point for just being a mindfuck in the best way possible. Third, there are no pets. And I feel like, like an alien, <laughs> there's a cat. And it made me anxious the right. entire time. I'm like, Fluffy, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so everything else going on it was like nice and not have to worry about little fluffy <laughs> and for natalie fucking portman she's just she is she is, she is who she is i like it how about you jesse i gave it a couple extra credit points i gave one for being the underdog like i don't understand why this movie hasn't gotten more attention and i wish it did yeah um and like you said for for coming out the way it is despite all the pressure from the studio to change. And then another point for just the rewatchability and like how much better it gets the more and more you think about it and talk about it. All right. So is that three points? It's two points. Two points. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, I gave it um, one and a half points, uh, but for three things. <laughs> I, I actually was not going to cut the points in half for this one. And then I saw how high my total score was. <laughs> and I was like, let's not go crazy. Um, so I cut it in half and gave it one and a half points of extra credit total. Um, the first is just for the uh, the experience of seeing it in theaters. Um, I did get a lot of noisy theater goers. Oh, like yeah. in that regard, it was actually not a particularly good theater experience. And I actually found myself really jealous of the people that got to watch it at home on Netflix. A lot of people say the opposite. Like, they were robbed. They don't get to watch it on the big screen. And I'm like, this is too quiet of a movie. You can't 
like especially for such a difficult movie if you get people who are like not into it and they're just gonna be yeah. like laughing at it or making mm-hmm. fun of it it's like <sighs> yeah, yeah um, so so in that regard it wasn't necessarily all, all three times were, were not really the best film experiences um but what i loved is like once the credit starts rolling and you just hear everybody around you like Wait, what just happened? Yeah. Who was that? Was that her or the double? Or like, what did this mean? What did that mean? And just being able to yeah. like be a part of an audience experience, even though they really didn't seem into it during the movie and were really annoying. Um, people that got it were anyway, the first time I saw it, I saw it alone. And as I was walking out, there were these just these old men. They're like, what did you think happened? And like asking me. And it was so sweet. Oh. And this, I don't know, like, you know, had a nice little conversation with them about it. Um, so it was just great. Like just the... I don't know, just the, the way it connects people and gets people talking, um, which leads into the second point, which is basically exactly the same thing, but slightly different. <laughs> um, and that's the the conversations that I have, like, after you get home. And it's like, I mean, like, when I saw it with, with Tristan, like, the whole car ride home, which is not a very long car ride. And then, you know, we got home and it was just like an hour of, of <laughs> talking about it. It's not more. Like, I could not stop. It was an hour that night. Yeah, pro- like then, for real. And then you know, you know the next morning, like, wait, did you catch this? What? And then and then seeing it with um with you and 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 we just came back here and talked for like two hours about the movie and it's just and then still so much to talk about to have like this conversation that's now right about three hours long, and you know and I feel like I can still walk out the door and find someone and be like, did you see Annihilation? Let's talk. <laughs> like <laughs> like you just can't stop talking about it at least I can't stop talking about it um so I got another another little bit of extra credit for that um and then I also just um really really like Alex Garland just in general he seems I haven't actually seen Ex Machina yet which is his other movie I can't remember if we mentioned that yet or not um but with this movie even just watching the special features like he just seems like like he gets it like he's talking about about film as a collaborative art form which which it is and everybody knows it is but directors never talk about it that way at least at least from what I've seen obviously I don't know any personally really but like it's just seemed like like he's you know on set and he's saying like like I I keep people keep crediting me for all this stuff but like I'm just like hiring people and letting them do what they want like I'm getting credited for this movie looking amazing and why is it I didn't do this look at my set people look at my you know look at the costume designers like he's really um, goes out of his way at least in in the special features on the movie maybe he's not like that in reality uh, but he just really seemed to get it and I think that's part of what made this movie um, you know why there's so many things like like oh what's the significance of that did you see that in the background look at that like I think it's because he realizes so much that like like yes he has a strong vision yes he's the writer and director of this movie but then he's gonna take that vision and and entrust other people with it to create this collaborative art form and and that should be how every movie is and I feel like the more Hollywood it gets the less that's true and and he just seems to really have a grasp on it which I just respect and I think it shows in the movie so I gave it extra credit um anyway I'm rambling um but that was my my point and a half of extra credit was for those three things I also gave it three points of extra credit uh, I really like that the alien was just so alien. Yeah. And I know I've mentioned that earlier, but I, I really, really like that. That was really cool. Like the way it looked, the way it moved, the sounds that happened, uh, just the whole concept. And just what people were saying, we don't even know if this is like an intelligent being. We don't know if it has a plan. We don't know if it's just like some sort of almost like a chemical reaction, maybe. We don't really know what it is or what it was. 
Audible. Maybe it still is. I don't know. <laughs> so I really like that. That's really cool. And that helps with like the, the mind fuck that this movie is. <laughs> uh, and then piggybacking on that, I really like the, the whole dreamlike quality and it's, you're not really sure what's going on and you're not really sure what's significant and if what the symbols mean or if they're significant. Uh, and I can't think of another movie off the top of my head that has done it as well as this has. And I give it a third point just because it had a lot of practical effects. And I think that was, that really, really helped a lot. Yeah. And like you said earlier, they, they could have just green screened half the movie. It would look so much worse. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But they probably would have saved a little bit of money. And yeah. So I, I think that's worth the point for me. So I give it three points of extra credit. All right. Uh, so what is everybody's uh, final scores? I'm very curious. I think we know who's going <laughs> to be the highest and who's going to be the lowest. Well, I think we're all going to I don't think anybody got below a 90. I could be wrong. Is yours above 100? No. It's, it's <laughs> close, though. Okay, well, mine is a 95. All right, 95 even? Mm-hmm. All right. You need to re-add after all your changes? <laughs> yeah, I changed it a few times. It was originally a 91.6, and then oh, when wow. we were done talking, it was all the way to 95. Yeah, it's quite a boost. All yeah. right. A few categories got bumped up. How about you, Em? It has a very humble, but well-deserved, 100.2. Wow. And that's with having the extra credit points. <laughs> yeah. I forgot oh, to do that. And I'm like, 102? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait. Cut that in half. All right. I think that's the new high score for movies. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Deserves it. I'm glad it was for this movie. <laughs> and my total score, including the three points of extra credit, came out to 90.6, which is uh. outstanding. Um, mine came out to a 98.3, very close to a hundred. Um, I originally did not have the extra credit and it was like a 99 point something. And then I was like, I don't know. I, I, I felt like I should just cut that in half. Cause, cause at that point, I don't know. Does it really need extra credit if it's that good? But yeah, I, I mean, I, I really thought going into this movie, I was like, I think this is going to be a hundred. I think this is going to be a perfect movie. Um, and it didn't quite hit that but damn is it close um and the closest i've i've gotten for any of the the reviews i've done i would argue that it is perfect (laughs) (laughs) i would not go against that all right was there anything uh anything anybody wants to add about annihilation before we wrap it up where can you find it now (laughs) uh wherever movies are sold (laughs) I pre-ordered my DVD. It's the only time I've done that on my Blu-ray. Guessing it's on Netflix. Weirdly, I don't think it is, but I could be wrong. I will say I checked recently and it was not on Netflix. Yeah. Hmm. All right. So I think that is going to wrap up this discussion of Annihilation. That was definitely a good discussion. I do not regret talking for as long as we did. It was definitely worth it. Um, that is uh, going to pretty much wrap everything up. If you're interested in learning more about the grid rating system, be sure to check out grittyfilms.com. That's grittyfilms spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. Uh, the next review next week is going to be Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. I hope I got that title right. I always get the middle names mixed up. Uh, but it's going to be M as my guest on that one. So I'm super excited about that. Um, and that's pretty much it. If you're a fan of the X-Files, be sure to check out uh, Tristan and me doing our X-Files review podcast. That's going to be the X-Files on the Grid. 
I've been talking too long. I'm getting super rambly. So I'm going to wrap that up. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, and uh, don't forget to rate and review this on iTunes. It would be really awesome. Thanks. Heartlessly helping himself Do her bad dreams He worries Did he hear a goodbye? I